This episode of the Culp Option Podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Me leading the clap, the sync clap every time so that you get it in sync and I don't is like, I hope you recognize that as one of the like graces that I, I give to you each time. Right. Like I, I know, I know you, I know you like clapping in sync. So I let you have it. Do you want to do, do you want me to do one? All right. Okay. Three, two, one. Oh, you're out of sync. This is ruined yeah, my day. <laughs> Do you know what? I wasn't even in sync on my end either, so I'm probably going <laughs> to ignore that one. All right. Welcome along to the Cult Popsha podcast. Hello. What's this? This is um, a podcast, and this is Film Franchise Fortnights on the podcast where every week every fortnight is, is exactly the same richard where we watch a franchise we've never covered before on the podcast and we do it every fortnight not once a week we do it every fortnight uh, and nothing that format is never is never called into question for anything is that right uh that's right um mm. so today we're to- oh wait a minute Let's i see what wait a done. minute uh, oh, hold up <laughs> uh, yeah, so normally yeah, this is a podcast where we do a different film franchise every two weeks, but in order to crap out these podcasts as quick as possible, um, we And took- celebrate the, the four-year anniversary yeah, of film yeah, franchise yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Yeah, so we, we're currently, this is part two of our discussion on the mega franchise, which is combined by a little film called Freddy vs. Jason. It's arguably combined by Jason Goes to Hell as well. Mm. If, if, if there was cameo. no Freddy vs. Jason, I wouldn't necessarily. It doesn't hold water. Yeah. The short, the small cameo. Yeah. Doesn't hold up. Yeah. Because I mean, really, we should be doing the Evil Dead then as well. Because mm. well, that we was featured in Jason Goes to Hell, and also if you see Freddy Krueger's glove and Evil Dead Two. Imagine if we end up watching a movie that has um, the John Munch character in it, and we do the entire Tommy Westfall universe Mm. as as one episode (laughs) yeah do you want to explain that um yeah it's it's essentially a theory that a bunch of tv shows exist within the mind of an autistic boy because a bunch of crossovers of different characters leads to this map of all these shows that are connected mainly well initially through the character of john munch guest starring in different shows um and one of those shows in the end revealing to have all taken place inside tommy westfall's imagination we should do a podcast on that. We should just do a podcast on that. Okay. Cool. So this is the Tommy Westfall <laughs> podcast. Uh, oh, you didn't mean now. Okay. It's called Westfalling for you. Nice. Um, okay. So yeah, we are doing, uh, to celebrate the four-year anniversary of this podcast, we're reduxing a franchise we covered in our first year. So quack. four years ago, if you remember. Quack, quack. Uh, we, very good. Very funny. That's what a dux is. <laughs> Um, and he says it twice because it's the second one <laughs> uh we covered the freddy vs jason franchise and in that time we did it as 20 films over one uh one week or two weeks and we <laughs> watched most of them in one weekend do you remember the time very early on in the podcast was it that maybe it wasn't that early on 
maybe it wasn't, where I jokingly referred to a fortnight as only being two weeks in New Zealand and it's a week everywhere else. And people were like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, it's just a dumb joke. Uh, I don't remember that's what happened, but what I do remember is when we posted something on Reddit about it, uh, and they were like, oh, I don't quite understand what you mean, but from context, it looks like a fortnight is two weeks or something <laughs> like right. that. And it was like, what? <laughs> and and there was people all, that when you and I were like, is this not a, 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 a universally known thing? Maybe that person on Reddit was himself um, making, you know, fooling us, Tom fooling us. Yeah. Um, so anyway... We did that. Sorry, then. I keep putting roadblocks in the introduction. Yeah, and to. now what we're doing is, yeah, we, last week we covered Friday the Thirteenth. Go back and listen to that very comprehensive overview of that franchise. And this week we are doing a Nightmare on Elm Street, mm. which is uh, eight films. No, did we watch eight? Did we watch seven? Seven. Seven. So we're doing next week will be Freddy vs. Jason and the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street remakes, meaning that all up there are 11 Jason movies, eight Freddy movies, and 20 Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so this week we're doing the seven unbroken chronology of A Nightmare on Elm Street, not including the reboot, which breaks yep. the chronology. Is yep. why I said that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let's just start it. So, A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, came out. That's where it came out. I was going to say, came out by Wes Craven. Uh, It was directed by, written and directed by Wes Craven. uh, And what's it about? Nightmare on Elm Street is a gorgeously simple horror movie plot. A horror movie plot so, so like, that feels so organic and intrinsically linked to the genre that I feel like if Wes Craven didn't do this, it's inevitable at some point in the history of horror movies, someone would have made this premise into a movie. Um, And that is, there's a creepy ghost serial killer named Freddy Krueger who can only attack you in your dreams. So it turns... Freaky ghost. Freaky ghost man. Um, And he, yeah, so it, it follows a group of teenagers who live on Elm Street who, whenever they go to sleep, they are tormented by Freddy Krueger who, God, it feels so... I feel like I don't need to describe what he looks like, but here it comes. Um, he's got horrific burns, like on his on his skin is horrifically burnt, and he wears a red and green striped sweater, and he has a fedora, and he has a glove with knives on it. Um, and he kills people in their dreams, and the reason for that is because he, in his in his waking life, in his in his waking life, life he's dead. <clears throat> well, he was a um prolific child murderer who through a um some kind of hilarious misunderstanding in the in the justice system was was not sent to prison and so all the parents of the town of springwood i think i don't know if that's established in the first one but that is the town that elm street is on um they killed him by burning him alive yeah um and so now that's why he's all burnt up and that's why he now is after their children Mm. it's revenge yeah it was uh, it's revealed in the first movie that there was someone did sign a search warrant right and that's that's why he was acquitted and it's interesting isn't it that um it's he's they say it's revenge because for for killing him and he gets his revenge by killing their kids which is what he was doing while he was alive yeah so is it still revenge if it's 
paying back someone for like giving you your initial comeuppance which you already deserved uh yeah i think so and then the second one's called freddy's revenge mm. the first one was freddy's revenge yeah the first <laughs> one should have been called freddy's revenge <laughs> that's the whole title <laughs> uh yeah so freddy krueger obviously uh the world's introduction to this iconic mm-hmm. iconic character uh what do you what do you think of freddy in this movie um he's a lot less um comical in the first film like yeah. he still is but like i feel like by the like you know what is the that scary terry from rick and morty yeah. i saw that episode of rick and morty before i'd seen in a nightmare and an, a nightmare on elm street film where and he, and he says he calls everyone bitch and i thought that was a rick and morty invention but it's actually a freddy krueger catchphrase yeah says bitch heaps but i don't remember him saying it in the first film interesting uh I, yeah i'm not sure that he does sorry um that's okay it's not your fault yeah and in, in this film he's a lot more like the silent slasher type mm-hmm. uh he, he's on screen for like seven minutes or something in this film um mm. and yeah while he does ha- he does taunt his victims and stuff he's not he's not really quipping in this film he's more akin to michael myers or jason Voorhees. Mm. um but yeah, the character of freddy krueger uh the design a couple of fun little things um at one point he was considered to have a sickle as his weapon of choice um but yeah the the bladed glove was chosen because uh one of the like uh, wes craven was looking into like fears and one of the things that people are sort of like inherently creeped out by are the idea of like claws um right on on characters it's like one thing that we're genetically predisposed to be scared of um and also the red and green he was originally going to be wearing a red and yellow um jersey at the colors of marvel or dc's plastic man uh because he can stretch and so it's supposed to be an homage to him Uh, but they decided he read an article about how this the certain shades of red and green when put next to each other are like the most distressing color combination to the human eye so it's like sweet so it's not it's not like a christmas reference it's not a christmas reference damn uh but also the idea of this for this film is based on a true story (laughs) oh good yeah so uh there was this series of um events where um these southeast asian refugees fleed from uh, the war and genocide in cambodia vietnam and, and laos and then would come into into the US and refuse to sleep. And there was like a, a famous case that one was a kid who refused to sleep saying that the, the monster would get him. Uh, and then they eventually got him to go to sleep. And then they heard him wake up in the middle of the night screaming. Well, maybe not wake up, but he was screaming in the middle of the night. Uh, and then they found him and he had died. Wow. And in, in his sleep and his cause of death was just not being alive anymore. <laughs> there's there's like there's no official cause of death um there's sudden sudden unexplained death syndrome and um brugada syndrome uh either of those or a combination of the two but yeah it's crazy they're just like yeah something just happened to this kid or these people in their sleep wow. um and apparently it was like this happened quite a few times uh but it wasn't until years later that someone like corroborated all of these events it was like being reported in the papers like oh yeah another um southeast asian refugee died in their sleep after being scared to go to sleep um they have nothing to do with each other presumably and then someone was like wait a minute 
<laughs> well, I think I think that's what I meant before about it being such a pure premise for a horror movie is that, I mean, the fact that it ha- has happened in some form, kind of, um, you know, then then it's just based off a true story. But it's such a visceral fear to of like your dreams right and like it's such an inescapable thing like sleep is inevitable yeah and so that that's what's and, and you're so, defenseless yeah 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 and that's what's so brilliant about a nightmare on elm street is that it's it makes you afraid of something you have to do you yeah know? it'd be like uh like a poop monster a poop mo- i was <laughs> <laughs> i was just about to say uh <laughs> Uh, tell you what, I meet a poop monster every time I go to the bathroom. Tell you what. It's not like you're not making a double entendre. It's a cry for help. Yeah, please. There is a poop monster. <laughs> In my butt. <laughs> uh, so also the 1970s song Dreamweaver by Gary Wright. You know that song? Mm-hmm. Dreamweaver. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that provided some inspiration for for Wiz and also that song sort of starts with like a little synthesizer riff that's a little very dreamy and that was kind of um molded into the film soundtrack or gave him the kind of idea of the oral aesthetic mm-hmm. uh, two words which do not go together oral aesthetic I like it yeah I like oral aesthetic because aesthetic yep. is to do with like it's only the way something looks right mm, yeah but but by giving it the um the the, the like notifier yeah. of it being oral you're you're justifying using the word i'm sure there's another word for it though right like of an for an oral aesthetic yeah <laughs> drop a comment below if you have another word for oral aesthetic it's sound the film's sound it's just the word sound um <laughs> but also so the, uh freddy krueger is as a character is drawn from wes craven's personal life uh he once when he was like 10 years old he saw uh a a, a homeless man outside his window and he just stared straight at wes craven um, and that was kind of the inspiration that's why he's like wears a dirty jersey and, and things like that uh mm. and then also the name freddy krueger is named after a bully um fred krueger from his school and then if you watch last house on the left which was uh craven's first film uh the villain's name is krug and it's a short wow. version of that same kid so fuck him. guy <laughs> but he regrets bullying red wes craven yeah. now um well, that, yeah, that's really cool, I think. And because they only refer to him as Fred in the first film as well. Mm, and in the second well, film, even though the film's called Freddy. It's revenge. Yeah, He's, yeah, he isn't yeah. called Freddy until the third film. Wow. Which, there, uh, go. there goes one of my main talking points for the third film. <laughs> <laughs> there goes all I had to say about the third film. Um, so what do, you, what do you think of A Nightmare on Elm Street as a film? All right, so A Nightmare on Elm Street's an interesting film because... Um, if you look at Freddy vs. Jason as a franchise, and we'll probably talk about this more uh, later on, is that A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, is so far and above the best film in the entire franchise, I think. Um, the first one? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, like, the, the first one is just a really, really, really good movie. Um, mm. And then, but I think Friday the 13th is a better franchise yeah yeah we, and we've we talked i remember we talked about this when we when we covered it in 2016 as like and i think when we ranked it yeah yeah as as like jason the friday the 13th movies um seldom move beyond their neutral ground you know like if the best the best friday the 13th movie is up for discussion whereas 
the best A Nightmare on Elm Street film is is probably the first. Personally, I actually prefer two more above the first film, but I can understand that. that just the, there's yeah. something to be said for a pure, the first time a pure premise like this is executed. Yeah. It's, the, it's the same reason, like, why we, we've, we've before, we've, we've, we once called American Pie, like, the quintessential teen sex comedy premise. Um, yeah. You know, it's, 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 there is something to be said for how pure it is. Um, and personally, I think there's there's sort of an element that's not really in the first two films that gets introduced in the third film, which makes me more attracted to the third film. But we'll get to that when we mm. when we cover it in <laughs> forty five minutes or so. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you'd still think this is a good movie, and they prefer other ones. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it's a great movie. Um, I think. I've always struggled with the ending. Yeah. It's a little Let's too talk vague about the for ending. me. <laughs> well, should we talk? Should we introduce the characters a bit more? Yeah, sure. So there's Johnny Depp um, in his first role. But who plays Glenn. Yeah, he plays Glenn. Nancy Thompson's uh, boyfriend. And let's talk about Nancy and not talk about the other main characters. Yeah, because who, the, who cares? Um, I just wanted to m- mention Johnny Depp was in. Yeah, and um, so Nancy, uh, played by Heather Langenkamp, who is, yeah, she's the Laurie Strode. Or the uh, Tommy Jarvis of this franchise, mm. or the um, not really anyone. Uh, no, wait. Yeah, no, that's all of them. I, was, <laughs> I forgot I'd already done one for Friday the Thirteenth. Um, <laughs> oh, there's n- what? There's not really anyone in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. Go. God, I what a I love her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, she she's she's got a very um, she's a very beautiful woman, and I don't I. I don't want to just be like she looks great. I don't like. Just it's not like she's, she's hot. It's like I want to spend the rest of my life with her. Yeah, yeah. It's not <laughs> a. She's not. She's not sexy. She's she's beautiful inside and out. Like she has this. This. She's just so. She just glows. She's glowing. She's a. She's a great addition to the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's got a great screen presence. Even though I, yeah. I think she's not maybe not necessarily the best actor in the franchise or anything like that. No. Um, but. Yeah, I, 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 she's one of the she's one of those um act, actresses and and one of those characters that you immediately buy into as your main character. Mm. Like you you meet her in the first in the first scene or two, and you go, yeah, you're you're my, I'll follow you to the end of the earth. Yeah, I'm with you till the end of the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, Nan- her name's Nancy, and so she's the the main character and, and if, all her friends get killed by Freddy towards the end of the film. And then the way she like defeats him, I don't know. I, it's, it kind of does the thing that the it movies do twice, which I've, I've had a problem with kind of in both <laughs> movies where we're like the solution to beating Freddy Krueger is to Stop while on his turf, while dreaming, explain to him that you're not afraid of him. Yeah. Um, which I don't, I, maybe there's more credence to that being in a dream because it's like you can control your dream, but they don't really get into that side of it. Well, I think it's like, yeah, it maybe could be because it's literally just like, oh wait, I just have to not be afraid of you. And she just turns around and Fred yeah. disappears. And it's like, I think that could have been executed a little bit better. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe it could have just been like the, the power shift when you sort of realize that this is my dream, I'm in control. Um, and, but then it's it, not a tangible enough final showdown yeah uh, but then it's, it, it it's cuts all to the internal. next morning uh, and mm. then 
Nancy goes outside, all of her friends, and her mom is still alive. And then she gets into um, Johnny Depp's car, and then all the top comes down, and it's got the same stripes as Freddy Krueger. And then you see the kids doing jump rope. That's the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Freddy's um, coming for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, you know, is a, mot- a recurring motif throughout the films. Um, and then um, all of a sudden, Marge, Nancy's mum, just like gets grabbed through the window. And it's like very obviously a mannequin being pulled through. Um, and I. I gave this film five stars when I when I rated it originally. I was like, yeah, fuck it, this is a great movie. Because I actually rated it like a couple of minutes before I'd finished it. Mm. And then I was and I was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, like I've, I've seen this movie before. It's amazing. And then the movie finished and I was like, I gotta knock off half a star because like yeah, I, I really don't like the ending. It's so weird. And the fact that Nancy returns in a later film and it's not really, I mean, she mentions that her mum's dead because her mum dies in a dream and then she dies at the end of that, of the first film, but both scenes are seemingly in a dream. So what is real and what is not real? Yeah, and and it is a it's a studio mandated the killer needs to come back for a final scare. Uh, Wes Craven right. didn't want it to spawn a franchise. Uh, mm. which is crazy when you <laughs> create such an iconic character. It's like, obviously, they're going to want to bring it back. Uh, but yeah, it's they, they wanted a final scare, and they were like, oh, yeah, like, have this happen. And, and Wes said it's one of his greatest regrets is filming it, um, and and then because they, they had to put it in the film. But he, he wanted the film to just end with Freddie disappearing when she turns her back. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I can I can see it's just such a strange note to go out on and it just muddies the water. I know like there's something to be said maybe for it being like what is real, what is not real. I mean that's very a lot of movies about dreams pull that card, right? Yeah. And it's it's if I feel sheepish, a bit sheepish criticizing it because it sounds like it's one of Because I like, don't think you could do better. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's I, like there have been a few times on this podcast where I've criticized something a film's done for being too confusing. And a couple of times you've been like, oh, right. So you'd rather it told and not showed. Um, and I get, I get how it sounds like that, but there is a balance between, <laughs> between something just. Not make something not making sense um, narratively, and something not making sense tonally are two things. Should always make sense tonally. That's the point of tone, right? Um, and I think the ending just it it leaves you it, because it doesn't leave you going like, "Whoa, what just happened?" It leaves you going, "What? I don't get it." <laughs> and that's not something a movie should do. Personally, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, if you want it to just tell you what's happening. <laughs> you're on my side here you agreed with me <laughs> uh yeah i i um i appreciate you uh insulting yourself for me yeah well i'm i like to do it before you do it good on you um all right uh what do you think this has on ron tomatoes let's go 84 the year it came out oh that's me clicking oh what? i was wondering what that noise was <laughs> uh no, uh, it, that's not true. But also, bringing back the body count. Oh. What do you reckon's higher? The, the, <laughs> the score? You're right, it is. Uh, it's higher by 90 points. Wow. Uh, the, All right, so I, I probably work out who dies in this movie. Yeah, go for so it. So there's, uh, does Nancy die? That's the question. I, I mean, what? What? 
Of well, because does Nancy not. die in the dream? I guess she doesn't. <laughs> okay, so Nancy has three friends. All three die. Her mum dies. Freddie is already dead. Does that count? But then he uh, gets killed count. again. Okay, that doesn't count. Okay, so we're up to at least four people dying in the film. Um, You're right, it is four. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, 94 on Rotten Tomatoes and four, which is makes it the highest rated film in the franchise by quite a significant margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also bringing back this week, dumb IMDb trivia. I've got one for oh. almost every film. Yay, yay, yay. So, um, there's an IMDb entry that says, um, after almost getting killed at the bathtub, which we haven't talked about, but is one of like, oh God, it's the most beautiful shot in cinema. It's, it's, it's the, the shot we posted on our Instagram. Um, it's the shot, you know, from a nightmare. Yeah. Where, where uh, she's in the, uh, Nancy's in the bath. Um, she's kind of falling asleep and, um, between her legs, Freddie's glove. And that was filmed by building a bath, bath room set on top of a pool and then have cutting out the bottom. And then, mm. so they can, he, she can actually be pulled down, and yeah, it's insane. It's so, it's so good because it's, it's that kind of, um, that kind of filmmaking language I really like, where it's, it's so psychosexual, right? It's yeah. like, it's, it's scary, it's terrifying because Freddie's in the bath, and you know what Freddie can do. But then it's also like the first thing you see is like the camera between the legs of this beautiful woman, and so you're initially attracted to her before after less than a second you're like oh shit and the fact just the the imagery of like a hand between someone's legs is sexy but it's scary and it's it's such a great kind of um psychosis kind you know like it's yeah. it's such a it's so it's so subconscious you know yeah. like in a way Freudian. It's, it's the same e- yeah it's yeah Oedipal. that's what i'm going for yeah it's yeah it's it's very very freudian and, and it feels i i just it's such a cool shot it's it's such yeah a cool it, shot. it's the kind of shot that if you put in your film you'd be like fuck this is this is it you've like i've communicated so much. yeah it's, the, it's, it's, visual, it's, the, it's visual storytelling yeah, yeah it's the upside down kiss in the rain and yeah it's the um yeah, well, that, again, that is psychosexual as well, the upside-down kiss in the rain, um, and also very on-the-surface sexual as well. <laughs> um, but, like, another... I've talked about this a hundred times in the podcast, but that famous shot from Blade Runner 2049 where the giant hologram Joy is, like, l- talking to Ryan Gosling's character, you know, the shot from Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. I like that for similar reasons, that it's, like, kind of... The hand between demoral- the legs. It's a little bit <laughs> yeah, scary. Well, kind of, <laughs> no, it's, she's it's demoralizing. She'll kill us all! <laughs> it's demoralizing because she's, like, talking down to him. Um, and it also reveals a lot about, like, how fake his relationships have been. Um, but it's also kind of sexy and and the combination of demoralizing. Because she's sexiness naked. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a... Um, yeah, it's like there's, like, a dominance to it that is... Sexy. You know, sexy. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so after this scene, um, uh, there's an IMDb trivia entry that mentions she looks in the camera um, because um, and, and she's stressed out. She goes, oh, I look 20 years old. And it's like, um, Heather Langenkamp was 20 years old when she filmed this. Um, <laughs> and then later, b- below that, there's like, you know, for a couple pages down, there's another IMDb trivia entry, which says in her room after almost getting killed in the tub, Nancy looks at herself in a mirror and says, oh God, I look 20 years old. Many viewers find this humorous thinking that Heather Langenkamp was 20 years old at the time of the movie. However, on the DVD audio commentary, she's quoted as saying, I was 18 or 19. I can't remember. 
We may never know. Yeah, there's um, there's actually no way of knowing. <laughs> That's true. It's very easy to find out. Um, no, I think I didn't laugh because I thought she was obviously that age. I laughed because, like, who says the line "I look twenty years old"? I know, like, like, but, I like, like that's still a fine age to look. Yeah. I wish I'd looked twenty. I, you know, I wish I looked twenty years old. Still, like twenty, twenty is like I would. You know what? I'll say it. Twenty's the ideal age to look. You want to look twenty years old forever. Eh, depends if you're like an old twenty or a young twenty. The universal twenty. What we imagine when we imagine someone who's twenty. I think mm. is 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 one of the best ages you could be frozen in for all eternity. Um, yeah. A la Twilight. Let's talk about Twilight. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Heather Langenkamp um, was, uh, she turned 20 like f- three or four days after filming Wrapped. Right. Cool. Wow, hilarious that she says I look 20. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean... I guess I could go and up to add an IMDb trivia <laughs> into like another one. Uh, all right. So up next, we've got A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, Sometimes called Part 2. It's called Part 2 in the film, mm. I think. Uh, so that came out the, the following year, 1985. Directed by Jack Shoulder. Mm. Do you want to make a joke about his name, AJ? Um, I showed her... Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you like how I went off the beaten path? Yeah. For making it so, uh, what's this one about? Um, okay, so this this is like kind of the tried and true how to do a sequel to a horror concept where it's like slightly adjusted from the first one, right? Yeah, where just make it like keep the real kind of heterosexual overtones. <laughs> I will I will get to that I'm sure. Um but this one it's the same thing Freddy's tormenting a the new kid who's moved into Elm Street the Elm Street house. Yeah. Um but instead of just killing um his friends in their dreams he kills his friends through his dreams. So he essentially uses the main character uh, what's the main character's name? Uh the main character's name is Jesse. Jesse. So he uses Jesse's dreams to kill all of Jesse's friends. Yeah. As kind of the the um the big thing and what you know while the first film had a young johnny depp in it this film has a young meryl streep in it (laughs) no it doesn't but my god does the main girl in this movie jesse's um sure to be doomed romantic prospect um is is the spitting image of a young meryl streep Uh, i believe the phrase is spit and image the spit and image of a young Meryl Streep. Um, you type in her name into Google. The suggested says Meryl Streep afterwards because she looks like she looks like a young uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Meryl Streep at the time of the film was older than what this girl is. The yeah. Harold, this girl isn't. Is. Do, haven't uh, you said this on another podcast? Well, she's in Hellraiser. Yeah, she is. She's yeah, in yeah. Hellraiser Bloodline, and I I seem to remember you making the same claim. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, no, you are right. And I'll claim it again, Richard. Next time we watch a movie with whatever her name Kim is. Kim Myers, in if you want to Google her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we finally get around to watching... Uh, I don't know if she's in any other franchises. <laughs> <laughs> so the most interesting thing about this movie is... And we we just so briefly scratched the surface when we covered this 
in oh, 2016 yeah. and it's it's so interesting now watching it mm. um, also so, sorry that- before we get into this there, there's like the kind of big thing in this movie as well that that um purists of the franchise sort of find a bit strange is how freddie gets pulled into the real world mm. um and kills a bunch of people at a pool party yeah in a way that like I, it's always uncomfortable when horror movies um just bring the supernatural into a certifiable realm where everyone just so now it's just a fact it's just a fact that enough people can corroborate that the that, that magic exists yeah. You know? yeah um so yeah what's what the most interesting thing about this film is that um somewhat unintentionally i believe at least from some, yeah um it has kind of become a pillar of queer cinema queer horror because um the guy who plays Jesse Mark Patton. Yeah, he he's playing the character as if the character is in the closet. Is closeted, yeah. So the yeah. The, the actor Mark Patton is gay. Um right. and so the the writer intentionally wrote a lot of homosexual subtext into the film. Um, and so there's a lot of things about because, uh, you know, Freddie's essentially possessing him. And so there's kind of the um, the parallel of like having this thing inside you that you that yeah. you don't want to reveal to people. Um, yeah. And like you said, you're the soon to sure to be doomed relationship. Not because there's a serial killer on the loose. Um <laughs> Because, honey, uh, <laughs> Meryl, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but also, like, so the director made this very gay film um, and didn't realize any of the, the homosexual subjects. And like you said, it's now become this kind of pillar of, of queer cinema. Because I, I think also th- there's there's a certain element to how oblivious people were to it. Mm. And, 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 like... The, the the wikipedia page has a whole subsection called homoerotic subtext and if you're interested and i i'm interested i i've been meaning to watch this for a long time um but it sort of just came out is that mark Patton released a documentary called scream queen uh which is a very good title um oh, scream queen my nightmare on elm street and so it was kind of about because i think the the filming wasn't too great for him and originally he was because he was an in the closet actor in hollywood at the time and he was mm-hmm. now the the face of this homoerotic horror film um and mm. it was it was a torturous time for him um but he's sort of learned to deal with it along the way and now he's become a, a gay icon essentially right um and knowing that because i didn't know that the first time we watched it though we both kind of picked up on that subtext the first time we watched yeah. it and watching it this time and seeing it as that seeing it as like this this quintessential film in in, in queer culture um it's it's so much better because oh, yeah, knowing yeah, that man. it's so cool it's such a cool film um and no and like there's a part where him and and the the meryl street girl what's her characters just tell me her character name uh <laughs> sorry uh her name her character's name is lisa lisa it's where um where jesse and lisa like you know nearly have sex at the at the pool party in this changing room um and like knowing that the character is supposed to be gay or is at least being played as a gay person by the actor um it brings it's like yeah this this sex scene looks very uncomfortable for both of them it looks very unnatural um and that's that adds to it so much and like yeah and and the 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 horror aspect of having something inside you that you don't want it that you're ashamed of um 
yeah. is so rich. It's so thematically rich. And there's a great, there's the, the shot I put on Instagram from this movie is when he like screams and the camera shows inside his mouth and you see Freddy's eye at the back of his mouth, like looking around. Um, yeah. And it's, it's so deep. It's so, it's such a deep movie when you look at it as being in this allegory. Um, however, <laughs> I was like, like watching it, knowing this, this time I was getting to the point where I was like, this is kind of way more interesting and complex than the first film. And I was like, Mm. shit, I'm going to end up really liking this one and have to justify my (laughs) controversial opinion that a nightmare on Elm street two is the best nightmare on Elm street film. And then that scene happens where Freddie gets brought into the real world and attacks all the people at the pool party. And I was like, this is dumb. This is such a bad scene. I don't think you have to. Uh, pretend to like it more in an attempt to seem woke um <laughs> fuck you man <laughs> no it's just genuinely like any any like and it's not like the first film doesn't it, have it's one of those things it's, it's either, like but... um friday the 13th five is that when you explain it to your friend it's a lot that that's a lot more interesting than the film itself that's true and and in contrast to friday the 13th how we were talking about like what's the point of the movies of the friday Mm. the 13th movies and how they seem to lack any character arc or point to what happens in them the the nightmare on elm street films have character they have too many absolutely (laughs) <laughs> but but so there is already that depth to them that immediately in my opinion just objectively makes a better film hmm. um i think anyway um so maybe that isn't objective maybe it's subjective so sue me um <laughs> and so i guess i don't i'm not you know especially confident that i could describe what the themes of a nightmare on elm street one are about but having that insight into two even though it's unintentional which is even cooler like it's way cooler when a film means something by accident um it makes it a deeper film to me it makes it a more interesting film to me um but that one scene is is it it taints the film so it's it's like the first one i mean the first one has a tainted scene as well but it's right at the end so you can kind of just conveniently ignore it much in the way that three kind of does um (laughs) but i yeah it's it's annoying because until that scene, I was like, "This is real good. This is such a cool film." And yeah, then- and, um, and also because like the 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 kills, uh, um, so someone someone gets killed by by giant balls, um, mm. which is obviously again is like a Freudian thing, um, <laughs> and then his like gym teacher gets killed by being stripped naked, um, like tied up, spread eagle in the shower, and like towel whipped on. <laughs> It's so clearly gay. I'd love to like see see a scene of of like some like conservative like homophobe being like Friday the Thirteenth two rocks, and someone's like it's actually about um it's actually got like all this what, no, like like saying that to the director like fuck this yeah, is yeah, a good yeah. movie and, and he's like, like what do you mean and the then scenes are all gay these... and they're like what <laughs> yeah 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 it's got all these scenes of like a, a naked man being whipped in the showers and stuff and it's like no no oh god <laughs> like it's also it's all there it's also obvious now it's like that scene in that Simpsons episode where he, he yeah, finds yeah, yeah. out that that his friend's gay and then looks at Bart and he's like zap <laughs> <laughs> it's a zap moment well yeah like, like I described it to you as that the whole film is like um uh yeah the same episode of the simpsons when they take him to the gay steel mill and it's like mm. um jack jack why did you make a gay horror movie <laughs> i don't know <laughs> oh man that episode of the simpsons by the way um if you're looking for uh media about um dicey subjects 
that isn't actually that tasteless that episode of the simpsons homer's phobia um i actually think is i mean i'm not gay so maybe i can't <laughs> speak for it but to me I, I watched that recently and i was like you know what compared to like i don't know friends or other yeah, yeah. shows from the same era it is respectful in a way that uh, i feel still stands up today yeah um the like season eight episode 15 if you're looking for it and um i mean it does feature john waters who is like mm. you know a, a queer icon um mm. but yeah it's it's a very it's a very interesting movie to watch and th- this is the kind of thing that uh college courses would be taught on you know you, you would exactly. go to um yeah. you there'd be like a queer cinema um yeah thing and there would be, and there'll be a, a class it. on freddy's revenge because you, you know about like readings you know what a reading is uh the cinemas so in cinema studies no but similar <laughs> um so a reading is the kind of the the um academic practice of explaining a movie's themes through a certain perspective whether they were intended to be that way or not right so uh lindsay ellis has yeah. that has the whole plate where she explains uh, it's a series where she explains transformers through different readings so she has like a a communist reading of transformers and a feminist reading and a queer yeah, reading yeah. Of transformers yeah so the, uh, this is an example of that of like a queer reading of a nightmare on elm street 2 is is very rich and interesting and you'd get a lot out of doing that i think mm um but so it was interesting um as a sequel so like nancy doesn't come back or anything like that and apparently it was like um heather langenkamp was asked about it and she was like yeah i was i was never asked about um about coming back for the second one and new line apparently just never thought to ask her because i, mean, I, I think by, by this point the idea of what a horror franchise should be is like yeah cool you have your final girl and then oh she dies and then and then so th- mm. that established that like you would had a few halloween movies already um this came out the same year as um a new beginning i think the um, oh, friday the, the 13th. Friday 13th and so it's like you know that we had all these ideas of what a slasher movie should be um but also i think uh, apparently they thought it was the whole freddy coming into the real world and possessing someone was just way too different of a movie that it wouldn't make sense to tie it to the first one uh, character wise and what it creates is this was one of those fascinating sort of franchise anomalies right mm. similar to um the incredible hulk in the mcu where it feels so detached because the other six films are all intrinsically linked one way or another through yeah. characters and this is like the outlier this is the the only nightmare on elm street film that you could pluck from the canon and not um not impede the the narrative cohesion mm. yeah also just sorry back to just the 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 homoerotic subtext thing as well i think it is worth please me- <laughs> I, I think it is worth mentioning that it, it, it comes from a place of preying on the the homophobia of mm. the the sort of uh, uh primary audience of the of of these kind of films at the time like in in the the early to mid 80s the kind of guys that would round up their friends and go see the latest slasher movie would be terrified that something gay would happen to them <laughs> yeah and i think that that's that's like a thing which is interesting that it's and you know it's kind of sad but it's also like quite interesting what's well, sad yeah. depending what i mean it is sad anyway but whether or not it's ethically or morally good or bad it depends on what reading you're doing of it <laughs> like if it's told from gay people then it's like 
Well, because well, like it's, it's like, is it good that it's like, um, you're you're making money from uh, from these homophobes? But I am scaring them. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, I more mean like if if you look at it from the perspective of someone who tried to write it as a story about a gay person, then it's like a almost a tale of um of uh suffrage, right? Um, mm. And kind of points points out the silliness of being homophobic. If you look at it from a director who had no idea, um, be making gay scary on purpose, then it's then it's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just directing. He's like, man, this film's terrifying, but I can't figure out why. <laughs> uh, Zap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do uh, just one little piece of um, fun behind the scenes trivia when, uh, which I, I believe was mentioned on the first time we did this podcast, but that was years ago. Who cares? Uh, you mentioned there's the shot where um, his mouth opens up and you can see Freddie's eye looking back and forth. Um, so that was made. That was done by making a dummy of Mark Patton's head uh, with a hole for the eye to look through. Um, and then that part was put on a flat surface and someone could be able to put their head into the opening. Um, but the only person whose head fit was the girlfriend of the special effects designer. Um, and so it's the only time in the franchise that Freddie is portrayed by a woman. Very cool. Yeah. It's like how, like how Kane Hodder got to play, uh, Freddie by having, he, he was the arm from, um, uh, and, and Jason goes to hell. Um, very nice. Yeah, so um, what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes, and what do you think the body count is? Okay, so the first one was 94. I'm going to take off maybe 40% of this and go 54. Oh, yeah. What is it? 43. 43. That's a shame. I think it's better than that. Yeah. Um, and, and body count. Body wise. count is quite a lot. Body count, I'm going to say 10. 11. And you're, it is the highest in the franchise, so you're right in saying that's quite a lot. Uh, and here's some dumb IMDb trivia. This one's not even that dumb. It's just like when people tr- trying their darndest to find, you know, tenuous links to things. Uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt, John Stamos, and Christian Slater all auditioned for the role of Jesse. John Stamos ended up playing a character named Jesse in the TV show Full House and Fuller House. <laughs> Fuller House. That means someone's updated it since yeah, Fuller yeah, House yeah, came like, out. Like since we recorded the first time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, very good stuff. All right, uh, so that brings us to A Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors. Came out in 1987, uh, directed by Chuck Russell, and this one is kind of noteworthy because it brings back uh, Heather Langenkamp, uh, and also it was written by Wes Craven, who had nothing to do with the previous film. Uh, but yeah, it was written by uh, the director um, Chuck Russell and Wes Craven, and also it was Frank Darabont's first writing credit. Oh, nice. Yeah. What's this um, one about? Well, this one, you know, we've had a young Johnny Depp, a young Meryl Streep. This one has a young. Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> and Patricia, Patricia Arquette, um, who play characters in this. So it is about um, Patricia Arquette is a character named Tina. You're is she make Tina? Me look these bloody things up. <laughs> it just helps to explain the movies when yeah, you have uh, the names. No, her name is uh, Kristen. Kristen. Tina must be a different character. Um, so Kristen uh, is being tormented by Freddy, um, and it results in her waking up to find that her, her wrists have been cut. And so she's sent to a an asylum, you know, with, with similar people who are also avoiding sleeping. 
um, and you find out it's because Freddie is kind of tormenting all of them. And then Nancy shows up now a an, an adult with a PhD, maybe I don't know. She's like a doctor. She's like a therapist. Yeah. Um, and turns up to sort of counsel these teenagers through being attacked by Freddy Krueger, uh, where she kind of teaches them to, to lucid dream and they become dream warriors. <laughs> and um, there's another part in it where um, the doctor who works with Nancy um, learns that uh, Freddy Krueger was conceived when a nun was locked in a room in a in a insane asylum with a hundred mental patients who all raped her and so the idea is that freddie is the the child of a hundred lunatics it says something or a hundred maniacs bastard son of a thousand of a hundred maniacs there you go um which is why he's so evil and the only way to stop him from um invading dreams is to dig up the charred corpse that Nancy's dad and the the fellow yeah. parents uh, burned and and buried in a dump, um, and move it to hallowed ground and, and um, lay him to rest. Lay him to rest, and so he goes and does that while Nancy and the the what's left of the teenagers who haven't been killed in their dreams sort of go and at, and attack Freddy in their dreams because they have superpowers when they're dreaming. Um, in the end, uh, they move Freddy's body. Um, Nancy's dad dies, Nancy dies, um, and that's sort of what happens. That's the end. Yeah, Nancy gets stabbed, and then she ends up stabbing Kruger with his own glove as he kind of is laid to rest. So, uh, yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, and so, and yeah, and Lawrence Fishburne is like an orderly at the hospital. Um, so this, this is, this is the first big bitch we get as well um th- this this sort of marks a transition in the character of freddy krueger i think right i that's what you meant yeah you're like this is the first big bitch we met we got and i was like richard what do you mean the first big bitch we yeah got? patricia Arquette. um <laughs> that's a huge bitch <laughs> uh yeah so th- th- there's like possibly freddy's uh most famous one-liner um when he he picks up a girl and slams her head into a t- into TV and goes, "Welcome to primetime, bitch." It's great, um, and that is actually my favorite death, I think, in the series. Interesting. And brings me, if I, if I if I may, it brings me to why, um, for a long this time, I favorite? ranked. Well, New Nightmare is my favorite, but we'll get to that. <laughs> this was my favorite until New Nightmare, and I think, and and it was it was a toss up. I was like, is this? It's better than the second one because it doesn't have a scene, a movie ruining scene. Yeah. But is it better than the first one? And I think what drew me to being like, yes, it's better than the first one, is what this movie does so great is its prosthetic effects and the the mm. dreams are the best they've ever looked. Yeah, it, like it's, they, it's one of the. It's this is the the first one like where it actually really takes advantage of the fact that these are dreams yeah yeah and that's why i think it's the best one is because it takes that concept and perfects it um in a way where there's so many practical effects the 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 tv death is like she's standing in front of a tv and arms come out the side of it and grab her and then freddie's head comes out the top of the tv but he's like stretched behind latex and it's and he just pulls her head into the tv and there's another one that's like a a big green worm man and the the art direction is 
is so cool and the they just this is a filmmaker's movie I yeah, think. yeah yeah like the the filmmakery in it is so admirable um and i kind of also like like dream warriors i remember seeing this in the vhs store the video shop as a kid and thinking that dream warriors was such an incredibly lame name for oh, a, it is a nightmare on elm street sequel and i agree it is but it also kind of gives an indication for what's unique about this movie is that it's the it's it's got all this horror movie DNA, but then it also is being like a almost never ending story esque fantasy movie, you know? Mm, and yeah, yeah. and there's not a lot of movies like this. Like where it's it's both uh, like unabashedly scary and also unabashedly cheesy and inspirational yeah, yeah. and and is about like it's not just dream warriors because they have dreams it's it's the it's all the imagery you would expect with something with dream in the title yeah. it's dream warriors like it is like that yeah. um and i think that's really cool yeah i think i think it definitely uh benefits from having wes craven back and it's amazing how yeah. just having um a, an, an incredible writer director like wes craven uh, and frank darabont as well um in the in the writer's chair uh how much they can elevate a film yeah, yeah i agree and i think as well that um that this is the ending this this i almost wish i could combine a nightmare on elm street one and dream warriors into one movie because i think the the conceit that you have to take control of your dreams and dream warriors is what should have been the ending of the first one is like right. they work out they can do these things that they can actually control their dreams themselves and if freddie can be an all-powerful dream weaver in your dreams then so can you yeah um yeah very cool yeah i i, I agree this is definitely like the be- yeah it's the best sequel i think um mm-hmm. and yeah the, the the tv death is cool it also has probably the most like horrific death in it um when one of the characters uh who's known for like sleepwalking he gets like his tendons ripped out and so you see mm. them like come out and so he's got just tendons coming out like essentially to the point where he looks like a marionette um yeah. and so he's got oh, yeah his tendons coming out of his feet and his hands um and massive gashes on his arms and then he's made to walk and and leap off a building um and it's very scary the imagery is horrific i feel like this is the one that looks most like the um the pop horror novel covers you know because like all the all the posters for these movies look like stephen king or stephen king knockoff novel posters from like the 80s and i feel like this is the first one where aesthetically it looks like that as well interesting that's a good point Mm yeah there's uh you might have noticed since we're so familiar with the franchise that before that um tv death did you know what she was watching on tv what was she watching uh critters no shit yeah uh there's another new line uh property uh because you know we talked about new line last week actually uh it's worth mentioning so this this film did quite well this this second one i think uh performed better better than they thought but not like amazingly and um the first film was new line's first success and so that they sort of joke that that new line is the house that freddie built um right which means that uh a nightmare on elm street is directly responsible for us having the lord of the rings movies there you go 
the real nightmare because they were the only studio that agreed to it so the real nightmare on elm street i was going to say the real nightmare on elm street was the hobbit 3 uh but that was after a bunch of legal disputes which wasn't with ended up not being produced by new line so never mind Mm. (laughs) (laughs) um so originally um wes craven was uh he he came back because he wanted to end the series on his own terms Mm -hmm. um and he his original pitch was actually that Freddie would enter the real world and would be, uh, you know, stalking the cast members of a new Nightmare on Elm Street film. Wow. Yeah. That maybe one day. And we'll unfortunately, see he never got to do that. Um, the one thing I would say I don't like about this movie, and it's handled yeah. very well in this movie, but it becomes one of these classic slasher horror movie tropes that we've seen time and time again. I'm. I really don't like when the main character from the last movie dies at in the next movie. No. I, it's just so miserable to me. And and Nancy die dies at the end of the movie, and it's very sacrificial and it's kind of earned. But we'll see in Nightmare on Elm Street four, um, Patricia Arquette, who's reca- recast in the fourth one, she hmm. dies maybe a third of the way through that, and it it. it it bums me out because it, it ultimately means Nancy died in vain. If she couldn't protect, like the whole point of Nancy's death is that she's protecting these characters and then they all fucking die in the next one. It's, it like removes the nobility from the entire point of the character in that first movie, you know? Yeah. Um, and we, I remember in um, the Halloween sequels did this as well. Like the, the little girl from Halloween 4 gets killed as an adult in Halloween 6 and it's just really like, oh, fuck. Like there was so much riding on her. There was so much like, yeah. like, and also how we like meet this little girl, and then like a film or two later we see her naked. It was like <laughs> we've grown up with her. <laughs> um, and I mean Friday the Thirteenth Two does it as well with Alice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't like it. I think I think it 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 um it takes away mm. from a character arc. Um, yeah. And well, there, there was originally, um, and it's 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 briefly hinted at in the film. They mentioned like, oh, we'll we'll still get to see her, don't worry, or something like that. Um, that and it was going to be more explicit that essentially now that Nancy had died in the in the dream world or whatever, she was now going to like haunt the dream world as like a guardian angel for the for the dream. That's warriors. a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like you know Nancy would would live on like that and so yeah that, that would have been i would love to see that hmm. um now you might might remember a couple of years ago a little film came out called the new mutants <laughs> not quite <laughs> well but yeah so apparently this um this film was cited as a massive influence uh, when making the new mutants oh yeah um which you know we'll see if it ever comes out and we can comment <laughs> on that um do you know what i i hope new mutants never comes out I hope I hope I never see it. <laughs> There's the shot on the trailer that does the same kind of like latex coming through the wall effect right, that's yeah, done yeah. a couple of times in this franchise. Um, also, fun little crossover fact: uh, the Friday the Thirteenth game has um, things you can collect, and you got you and I feel very differently about these kind of things. But um, like collecting tapes throughout mm-hmm. the. Um, throughout worlds you know like it would any like post-apocalyptic game yeah, you've yeah. got like little notes you pick up or tapes it's part of the game uh, worst part of the game <laughs> I, I um but yeah that the, you pick up the tommy tapes um and the, the tapes from tommy jarvis and it's implied uh that he went to the the hospital in this um 
in this movie. Wow, that is very yeah. interesting. Cool. Yeah, because just trying to you know keep all those uh, those little uh, connections. Mm. You've got to. Yeah, there's um there's a funny quote I read that was all about like how everyone fell in love with Patricia Arquette. It was her first film. And everyone was like, and um, Robert England was talking about who plays Freddy Krueger. We haven't, I don't think we mentioned him yet. Um, he plays Freddy Krueger in every film. He, um, yeah, he was saying, yeah, everyone knew she was going to be a star, and most of the guys in the cast had a crush on her and would come to me asking for advice on how to ask her out. And then I asked her out. <laughs> <laughs> that would be creepy. The real yeah, Freddy Krueger is preying on vulnerable young actresses. That's the real nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about this movie? No, just that I really like it. And it it um, absolutely, it's where the rest of the series follows is this movie. Hmm. Like this feels yeah. like the, the, the franchise starter way more than the first two. Similar to how, same with Friday the 13th, actually, as part three feels yeah, like. Yeah, it took three movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what do you think is higher, the Rotten Tomatoes or the body count? Rotten Tomatoes. You're right. The Rotten Tomatoes is 74. The body count is... Um, nine? Six. Six. Yeah. So, dumb IMDb. I've actually got two for this one. Um, one, just because it's an IMDb trivia about dumbness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, in the, for the dream sequence, so this is, uh, the... Uh, welcome to primetime but she flips through the channels i mentioned she's watching critters then she switches over to the dick cavett show um for the dream sequence in which a dick cavett interview is interrupted by freddy krueger sally Callerman was originally in the script as the guest but cavett was then allowed to pick the person he'd be interviewing he picked jaja gabor because he thought she was the dumbest person he'd ever met in his life and if he'd uh and he'd never have her on his own show in real life so if there's one person he wants to see for kill by freddy it will be her <laughs> and she plays herself in the film <laughs> that's great um also so this starts with um i can't remember what it's called but you know where they put like a quote at the start of a film yeah. um and so it says uh the quote attributed to Edgar Allan poe which is sleep those little slices of death how i loathe them mm-hmm. is highly disputed as actually being from poe however there is still a chance that poe could have just said the words <laughs> that's true though it is there is still a chart yeah. my favorite imdb dumb trivia is the one where the response to it can be that is technically true <laughs> like, it's just i don't know why you needed to say that yeah. it is a like, like it's that, like he may not have come up with it but he might have said that at some point or or just he might have said it to himself and it was never recorded technically that's possible yeah <laughs> but you could say you the can same ne- about you any- can never prove that he didn't say that literally anyone in the world you could have the same argument for. yeah jesus actually said that maybe you can't prove he didn't no jesus famously loved sleep did he sleep for three days oh good point <laughs> uh okay so next we had uh, a nightmare in elm street for the dream master which came out in 1988 uh, it was directed by rennie harlan and uh, what's this one about? Um, so this one is about, um, what's this one about? It's like there's there's so all the, ca- the all the following, characters following on from the dream. Yeah, Warriors. yeah. All the characters from the last one are around, and they sort of start getting killed off by Freddy now. But there's the kind of main story is that there's a bunch of high schoolers, and there's this one girl whose name is Alice. I think is that her name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she um 
the kind of wrinkle in the formula for this one is that um she is so I I mixed this up with two actually. This is the one where Freddy uses her dreams to kill her friends. Two is where he uses Jesse's body itself to kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To kill people. Um so yeah, that's sort of what happens and yeah, um Kristen dies and come, like they all come back to try and help. Um but ultimately it's it's just up to Alice to try and save the day and she does yeah. she she defeats Freddy in the end. Well in, in very kind of loose terms, um we have um ne- uh the dream warriors all have like their powers mm. and then the dream master Alice like gains each of their powers as they die yeah yeah that's as they right die. yeah yeah um and so she she fight, goes up against freddy krueger thank you for that that is the main thing about the movie isn't it um and it ends with she shows him a reflection of him yeah and it destroys and because we see under his under his jersey yes um, and he's got all these little faces in there yeah like the craig start the reactor thing <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about yeah. What movie is that from? Start the <laughs> reactor. If if people are listening to it, get it. It's from Total Recall. Look up Total right. Recall. Start the reactor. <laughs> oh yeah, my god, but, it's um, two minutes thirty. I'm not watching this now. Yeah. So they um, they kind of yeah. Uh, the, the, they attack him from inside. Mm, yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. She like inspires them all to fight back. Um, yeah. And yeah, this one. I think this one is maybe. Like, there's a thing we don't really talk about with horror movies. I think we talked about it a bit on the Scream one, um, which is, like, while all the story is happening, you're also dealing with, like, a community, like, sh- absolutely shaken by the death of a bunch of people. Um, yeah. And so horror movies are often deal in that kind of macabre mood. Like, in real life, if one person dies, you know, your whole year yeah. is probably going to suck. But if this is, like, five of their friends die or whatever, it's like... This is the. It's like, oh, I gotta get to class. Yeah, 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 right. And so, <laughs> so it is kind. Of, there is kind of that problem where it's like, um, people keep dying, but the the contrivances of the plot means they kind of aren't allowed to dwell on it that well. They have to just kind of move on to get the story going. Um, and I found this was like the saddest one. Like, this is the one where like the characters who survived the last movie died and as i said that's kind of an yeah. issue i have it's 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 one where like her her mother alice's mother is already dead and then her brother who is like her safety net from their alcoholic father gets killed as well some really just sweet nice characters who are part yeah. of the friend group get killed and it's just really grim um and it it makes me sad, I guess. But the mm. the practical effects are a killer in this one. Yeah, the, the, this has uh, what I once would have called the most horrific kill. And actually, probably no, fuck it, still is. Fuck it, <laughs> it still is. Yeah, um, fuck the tendon one. Um, when Freddy turns a girl into a cockroach and traps her inside a roach hotel and crushes it. Mm. but he um, turns her it, into oh, the cockroach in the sense that she's like it's like she always was the cockroach and her human body was the vessel like she yeah, so she bursts she, out she's, of herself she's bench, bench pressing and then freddie like pushes it down until her like elbows break and that's horrific to watch and then these fucking you know cockroach legs unfurl out of it and then she tries to escape but she's got cockroach arms 
and then she falls over and her like her face falls in that like gooey sticky shit and she's like screaming but her face is like attached to the ground and it, it, it's fucking horrific and this was i saw this i, I mentioned this is the first time we covered it but i saw this like at a friend's house on sky movies like years ago um like in in early years of high school um and i, I was horrified by it i wrote um, a letter to the to the broadcast standards association yeah uh but yeah and th- that was like one of the worst things i've ever seen up until that point <laughs> um and that put me off watching for these films for a long time yeah yeah i remember there was a time when i was thinking like the idea of nightmare on elm street just terrifies me mm. um and it, it still does i think the, the the whole thing of like the the dreams and being inescapable yeah terrifies me uh b what do you think of this film generally what, what okay kind of- so th- again the practical effects it's still that that f- if you're if you're a filmmaker or you love filmmaking there's still a lot of meat on this bone to be like this is so cool how they did this but the story is nowhere near as good as the dream warriors and so this and the next one i think are the weakest ones in the franchise because they yeah their story is just kind of lame and it this is where it gets to the point where it feels like you're dragging it out and things like mm. all right okay it's the same you know we're we're locked into a method now where we make a Friday and a, a, a Nightmare on Elm Street film every every year or every couple of years. This is how you do it. These are the beats it needs to hit. Like, it's well, very- okay, that's interesting because I disagree mm. somewhat, and that's my. Um, I, mean, I still don't like the film. Get wrong. <laughs> and that's my God-given um, right to disagree with you, AJ. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, I Richard, think- I may disagree with you back, but I'll defend to the death your right to disagree with me. Well, thank you. I um, I and this is why I think that Friday the Thirteenth is a better franchise. Is that Friday the 13th, you, and the shitty sequels, it's like you've still got um, this kind of uh, the constant that you can latch onto, um, which is that it's going to be Jason's going to come back in some convoluted way and then he's going to kill a bunch of people and then be defeated. And that's why um, Jason Goes to Hell doesn't work because it changes that formula so much. Whereas, and that's, I think, why we like Jason Goes jason x more than jason goes to hell because even though it's still that kind of like campy bad quality it's still got this constant to to latch onto whereas when a nightmare on elm street is almost trying to be too clever with each of its sequels and it's like the actual the log line of the film is different it's not just like yeah freddy does end up killing people but that's not like the hook of each film it's like um so nightmare on elm street one is like yeah these people are are stalked in their dreams a nightmare on elm street three is about like a group of people at a a mental institution um discover they have powers in their dreams and then the fourth one is like the fourth one i i I find to be like the worst of the good ones and then dream child is like i guess the the bad one um but yeah i don't know like it, it feels like they're trying to be too clever and there's there's less stuff to latch on to um, is there not good sequeling like in- though? Is is sequ- should sequeling not be the art of subtly reinventing something so it's just new enough to justify? Yeah, being its um, own and that's thing? and that's that's probably that's what maybe what I'm saying that Friday the Thirteenth does. They they re- they re- reinvigorate it just enough um, after a certain point. The first few are, are interchangeable, um, but you know they they just sort of changing right. just enough. But whereas when you do that and it's not good it's we're like when you you change it so much yeah when you change it so much and and then it's not good 
It's bad. Like, so Dream Warriors works because it's like, wow, this is such a new thing and it's a good movie. And then when you get like, and here's a whole new thing on top of that and it's not as good, I I don't find it as good and I find it, and I find it hard to kind of sink my Yeah, if anything, it. I feel like the series would be better if Dream Warriors was more of an anomaly and it was like this is the real fantasy wizardy one and then mm. the like the fourth nightmare on elm street should have tried to be more like the first one than the third one yeah 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 um yeah although although maybe i'm wrong because this the, this was the highest grossing film in the franchise until yeah, but that's how the sequels work yeah yeah you're the one after the good one <laughs> hmm um so also that this one uh, apparently wes craven it was like writer refusal kind of thing um the studio uh said initially they approached wes for an idea for the fourth film uh which they always do they go to him first um and they said his idea was illogical it was about time travel within dreams that broke all the rule of dreams we decided not to go with it yeah but that's the thing eh? is is wes craven is the voice i trust more here and so he's the one with the best interests of story progression in mind yeah so yeah it sounds like it's a like yeah, if, if he if time travel works and he can do it you know mm. fucking go for it there is a little bit of uh, time travel use the term loosely um in this film there's a bit where they're on their way to save mm. someone and they keep running around the same corner it's the cockroach they, death actually yeah 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 right um and that's they realize that they're that they're stuck in a timeline i think that's robert england's like favorite part of the franchise he said um well, it's very confusing when you're um, as as sleepy as I was watching this film <laughs> and that happens and I'm like, did I rewind? I literally like checked my phone to see if I'd accidentally like tapped back on the, the YouTube no. rental I had of this film. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, all of the Freddy vs. Jason films are on YouTube except for fucking New Nightmare. How infuriating. <laughs> it was so annoying. Um, but th- that was... Um one of those things that really felt like a dream i thought yeah and the the, the other bit that feels like that i think is um and it's used again in new new nightmare actually is in the first film when nancy is trying to run upstairs and the stairs are like filled with mm. pancake mix yeah yeah um and she like keep her feet keep sinking into them because there's something about not being able to run that feels you know the the dream the um song by naked is it naked and famous punching in a dream yeah yeah so the the lyrics there like it's like punching in a dream breathing life into a nightmare and that's what they like i always interpreted that song to be about how when you try punch someone in a dream nothing happens and it feels like you've got no power behind your punch yeah that's the thing yeah yeah, yeah like you either if you're having a good dream um and i fucking always loved this growing up when you would i run and then my strides would get longer until i was like you know leaping tall buildings in a single bound pretty much and and then essentially just turned into flight there you go um and yeah god it feels so real god i just want to go back the only dream i ever remember having that was like really fulfilling and i woke up feeling great was um, was it a wet dream <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> was it actually so I, I slowly walked into this conversation being like do i want to talk about this it was a very sexy dream and it it happened to be a wet dream but it was also just a a very Jesus nice Christ. and genuine and romantic sexual encounter with a girl that doesn't exist in my dream yeah where's that that where's the the, the real nightmare on elm street is that that was all a dream and didn't actually happen <laughs> um damn 
That's beautiful. Do you think a better... No, we'll talk about that when it comes to titles. Remind me when we talk about titles to talk about what I was just talking about now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Rotten Tomatoes and Body Count. What do you think we're, we're looking at? Um, okay, Body Count, it will be um, the uh, maybe like 10, 9, 8. Uh, so, the, the Body Count? Yes. Uh, it's 6. Ah, I thought there'd be more and for so- some reason. Ron Tomatoes? Um, 32. 55. Mm. Stupid. Yeah, but remember that number. I've already for- forgotten it. I, th- I think you meant 55 was the number to remember. <laughs> uh, all right, and time for some dumb IMDb trivia. Da, da, da. In A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, Kristen falls asleep and awakens to a house with a little girl on a tricycle. The child asks Kristen what her name was. She tells her name is Kristen and asks what the child's name was. In response, the child just giggles. The same actress who played the child in the film was also casted... That's what says casted. In Nightmare on Elm Street 4, this time playing the sand, playing on the sand on the beach. In this scene, Kristen asks the girl what her name is. The girl replies Alice, but in real life, the actress's name is Kristen. What the fuck are you talking about? I got so... This, isn't this 4? Isn't this Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street 4? Yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst piece of trivia I've ever heard. <laughs> Uh, okay, cool. So now we're moving on to A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. I'm often uh, without the five, actually. Hmm. Um, and this came out in 1989, directed by Stephen Hopkins. And the Hops. And what's this one about? Um, so this one follows Alice, um, and it's years later, and she's getting, um, still, she's getting her dreams are being filled with Freddy again. And she's like, what, how could this happen? I thought we, we dealt with him. Um, and it, it culminates in a bunch of her friends getting killed, including her boyfriend who survived the last movie and is now killed in this one. Um, but she finds out that she's pregnant, um, with her boyfriend's child. And kind of the crux of the film is that, um, Freddy is actually intercepting her unborn babies um dreams dreams but is able to like pull her into the dream world without her realizing it kind of um and you see freddy as a baby you see um very disturbing scenes of his um conception um you see all sorts of things like that uh the in in alice's dreams you you meet a maybe seven six or seven year old version of her son um, and he's played by the shitty little kid from the start of Jurassic Park that Dr. Alan Grant like explains the raptor claw <laughs> to. He's got these beautiful like big eyes. And in this movie, which came out before Jurassic Park, he looks like a cute little kid. Whereas in Jurassic Park, he's he just looks like the kind of like kid who just grows up to be like a douchebag and is just a little asshole at, so at like twelve. To- um, it might, I didn't actually look this up. It just looks like him. It's just how I recognized him. Oh, wow. Um, and so that's kind of it. It's It ends with her turning... Does she turn... Some I figure out how to turn Freddy back into a little demon baby. Um, yeah, and Amanda Kruger reabsorbs him. Yeah. Weird, but I do prefer this one to four, just because I like the... I To me, the, the idea of Freddy intercepting the dreams of a fetus is... Quite, I like. I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, uh, I that's think about this the is actually my least movie. favorite. 
I mean, it's one of my least favorite ones. It's yeah. like seconds to the end. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I thought I just like that idea. Um, it's very you see baby Freddy in it a couple times, and it's very funny. It makes very little sense because Freddy's not supposed to be. This this does what um what Friday the Thirteenth uh, Jason goes to hell does, where it's like. It turns him into a demon. Yeah. I mean, the third one kind of did that by explaining how, you know, that he's the bastard son of a of hundred maniacs, but this is a bit more, um, like, I just don't like that he, that he's, lit, like, you see him get bored and they're like, this is, you know, that we've got to get rid of this horrible demon baby. It's it kind of like, as the more, the more you um, make Freddy Krueger some kind of divine supernatural evil, the kind of the more the purity is distilled yeah. of it just being of that original yeah he's a lot movie. more interesting as like a um uh the killing joke kind of thing where it's like all it takes is one bad day yeah, <laughs> where yeah. he um he was driven to do this by um being killed by the parents of the um town where he was mm. killing kids i mean he was already he was already killing kids yeah. so he had some bad day earlier on and was maybe born a, a psychopath or- uh, like i think it would have been a, probably a more interesting choice if if kruger was innocent as a as a human that is an interesting choice interesting. and then and so it is very much like you wronged me and i'm taking it out on your kids and then that, that's and just that, what and that's the, least the, like because then you don't have the same sympathy of like oh it's, it's vigilante justice but at least they killed a a child killer mm. it was like fuck you these parents fucked up that is better that's what it is in um the simpsons mm. treehouse of horror um a nightmare on evergreen terrace yeah. thing with with groundskeeper willie um which i watched this week as no, well. I mean to. Um, but yeah, so that's about the most, like, this is the one I probably remember the least. I imagine it's probably the one we'll talk about for the shortest amount of time. Um, it's like the, the whole, the whole interesting thing is that he intercepts the baby's dreams. And that's the, like really the only notable yeah. like, again, aspect of it's it. It's like, uh, it's got a very low kill count and, there's there's one where he like trans there's 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 a, a lot of like take on meing in this film um mm. where um characters get put into like an animated world um and yeah it's a, it's a very it's a very strange uh, and low but low kill count and so even though they're maybe the highest concept kills we've had they're not that memorable like a, a person getting turned into a yeah. comic book and then getting slashed and the color falling out of them sounds really cool and clever and high concept but it's so unmemorable it might not even be in this film <laughs> it is it is, is it in this in film. This, yeah it is it, it is, is in this film good. there's something very similar that happens in the next one um yeah and so that's right yeah so there's a comic book enthusiast who like writes about freddy krueger and yeah yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Do you want to just move on? No, well, not necessarily. If you have more to say about it, then go ahead. But this is the this is the like end of the line. Like this is the point where it's like you have to change something, or else I don't want to see any more of these yeah. movies. Um, interestingly though, it is um you say the end is the end of the line. This was one of, if not the last slasher released in the eighties. Well, there you yeah. go. There you go. <sighs> there I go. Digging in again. Uh, all right. Do you remember that number that I asked you to remember? 
32. Yeah, and what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes is? 55. God damn it. You're right. It's 55. No, it's wow. not. It's 32. Can you guess what the oh, audience wow. score is? 55. <sighs> it's 32 as well. Uh, and what is the kill count? Maybe like four? Three. Three. Only three people die in this movie. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it does fuck? feel like an absence of death, uh, deaths. Wow. Although, and it might seem like we're moving on very quick, um, but I've got three pieces of dumb IMDb trivia for this one. There you go. Filling out the quota. Which is making out for, spoiler alert, I don't have any for the next film. I'm sorry. No. Do I have one for New Nightmare? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Um, so... If you were a Nightmare on Elm Street fan looking at that poster in 1988 and 89, you were probably curious about what the heck Dream Child meant and what was going on with the fetus and the crystal ball and Freddy's glove. Well, the people making the film thought the same thing too. That poster came out before they actually had a clear idea of what the movie was going to be about beyond its premise and title. Um, I just like that it's it's so like personally written but also like that is just i mean the crystal balls may be a little out left field but like it's perfectly appropriate to have a fetus as imagery in your poster for this movie yeah the real piece of trivia there is that they got the poster first and worked backwards to make a story around that yeah that feels like that's what the trivia should be so this is uh the fifth nightmare in elm street movie just keep that in mind nightmare in elm street five um and this is the trivia entry this is the fifth Nightmare, the, the fifth Elm Street film that shows nudity of any kind. The other films are A Nightmare on Elm Street, A Nightmare on Elm Street oh, Part God. 2, Freddy's Revenge, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Freddy vs. Jason is the sixth film. So the real fact here is that yeah, yeah. the sixth film doesn't have any nudity and it's the only one. Um, yeah. But it, it is interesting though because like thinking back, I don't remember nudity in these, in these films. Eh? I remember in... Um, and three, one of the characters, one of the quiet characters is lured into a dream by a sexy nurse yeah. who gets naked. Yeah, they're, they're more like, um, and I think they're maybe using nudity looser than um, the Friday the 13th films would be. I don't think every film has explicit, like, breasts. Hmm. Um, but, yeah. Uh, okay, now we're on to the final film of the franchise, clearly, because it's called Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. It came out in 1991, directed by Rachel Talele. A lady. Yeah, a lady. Um, who also, um, fun fact, has directed uh, like a few other things. She directed a few episodes of TV. She directed the second slash the best episode of Doctor Who, and I'm not talking about Blink, the one good episode of it. <laughs> but she so she's been on as a producer like the whole time as well so what episode of doctor who did she do she directed an episode called heaven sent there you have it the two good episodes of doctor who heaven sent and blink heaven sent is um he's uh the doctor it's steven uh no peter capaldi and um it's like it's just him it's just after his um companion has has died and that's a real good episode nice yeah cool well great what's this movie about richard i've done all the talking i've i've explained all the plots why don't you explain the plot for freddy's dead the final nightmare okay so um oh so uh, we didn't even mention in the last film um freddy was brought back to life by getting um pissed fire on by a dog (laughs) because or was it in the fourth one even 
It's like worse than um any of Jason's resurrections. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so it's set uh, several years later. Freddy comes back um, and starts killing people on Elm Street. Uh, there's the whole the line about every town has an Elm Street, which is like fuck. What a deep line. It's like like Homer's where the heart is, you know. Like, um, <laughs> like Elm Street is is a represents is just, fear and terror. It represents fear. Um, yeah. but what he actually means is that it's a very common street name, and and really most towns do have an Elm Street. Um, there's actually one just around. It's like um, a couple minutes away from my house. I looked it up wow. after seeing this. Wow. Uh, but kind of the, the the sort of where this film ends up is that they go into the dream world and they're kind of like, they go there with a mission because they realize that they can pull out things from the dream world. So uh, one of them, um, it just because they've set an alarm, just as he's about to wake up, he grabs part of Freddy's jersey and he's still holding it on. The, um, so they go, let's bring him out into the real world and we can kill him here. Um Sorry, I've forgotten a whole part of this. Yeah, which is, you're, you're like yeah. the main thing about this film, and then said something I probably wouldn't have even mentioned. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So, th- right, let me take it back. Let me take back <laughs> the responsibility of explaining the plot. So, essentially, it follows a young man who's got amnesia, but he's running away from Freddy and is tormented by Freddy. They go to Springwood, which is the town that Elm Street is. is the the titular Elm Street is from, um, and discover that Springwood have banned children from living there. So like the entire town has kind of gone crazy because all the children would die if yeah. they stayed there. So children no longer live there. Um, they, they turn up and because they are teenagers themselves, they get sort of picked off, including the young man who learns while he's there that that Freddie had a child before he was killed, and he's like, oh my god, I'm the child. Um, and then it turns out that he's not the child. The child's actually his like psychiatrist who's been along for the ride. Yeah, which um, which is a great moment because it has the whole like, the classic like you can't kill me. I'm your son, and he goes, no, I just needed you to get my daughter, and then he kills mm. him. Yeah, um, and so that's that's sort of well that takes up most of the movie, I think. Um, Breck and Meyer is in this movie, the yeah, same yeah. caliber as Johnny Depp and Patricia Arquette, <laughs> and. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne maybe he is the same caliber as Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> Are you, no he's fucking not <laughs> um, who does Brick and Meyer get... play in the Matrix it wasn't he Neo <laughs> um, the it ends in a segment which I'm pretty sure was supposed to be 3D it was um, originally or, released or in 3D Freddy yes. Vision yeah Freddy Vision yeah and yeah they bring Freddy out into the real world where um, his daughter kills him and then ends the movie saying, Freddy's dead. Meaning that the title of the film, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, is not like a clever play on the premise. It's not like it starts with him dead and then he comes back. It's just straight up a spoiler for what happens at the end of the movie. Yep. This this um, this film also features a few cameos from some famous faces. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp appears, um, although he's actually um, credited as Oprah Noodle Mantra. <laughs> Why? Uh, I, I don't know, just as a joke, and um, and also um, you, uh, Tom Arnold and Roseanne Barr, who were married at the time, are credited right. are there and credited as Mister and Mrs. Tom Arnold, and also um, for the second time in two weeks. Uh, the sixth film in a horror franchise features um, a, 
a contribution from Alice Cooper, um, who yeah. Alice Cooper of He's Back, the man behind the mask fame, <laughs> plays uh, Freddy's dad in this film. Huh. Yeah, so uh, we we see we see a bit of Freddie's upbringing. We see him being teased at school for because his mum was raped hundreds of times, and the kids are like na 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 na, and he responds by hammering a hamster. Yeah, um, something which doesn't seem to shock anyone in the room because yeah. they're too con- they're too concerned with making fun with of his how hilarious his upbringing was. <laughs> um, and uh, then we see him older and he's like cutting himself and then his, his dad comes in and I was like, I'm going to whip your son. And the dad is Alice Cooper. Ah, cool. And then you also see Robert England without prosthetic effects on just playing Freddy Krueger before he was killed. Yeah. Where like you see him with his daughter and you see that he kills his wife when she finds out about his child murdering secret. Um, And yeah, so this... The the some of the deaths in this one are pretty interesting. Breck and Maya gets um teleported into a video game in a very cheesy scene. Um yeah. where Freddy's like controlling him and eventually kills him. There's a character in this movie who is deaf without his um hearing aids in yeah. and he gets killed through like he has like hearing hear, hearing related a hearing related death. Yeah, Freddie replaces his hearing aid with something that, that makes his hearing super sensitive. And um uh, Freddie essentially tortures him. And this is Robert England's favorite kill in the franchise. Um and so he's like um standing on like a ledge above him and he drops a needle down and you could hear it, it sounds like a bomb's dropping and the guy's like screaming because it's 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 so loud to him and you know that this needle falling is gonna fucking do his head in um and so he manages to catch it and then freddy's like oh and drops like you know a hundred needles down and they it's like bombs dropping and it's so loud to this guy and he's screaming and then um freddy shoves like a q-tip and his a giant q-tip inside and like impales his brain um and this probably this might be one of my favorite kills in the franchise as well and for me it was uh, so especially terrifying because of like like an audio based nightmare um mm. because so you've shared a story of a dream you had dream i had growing up this this is like a reoccurring dream i had and it sounds so stupid i can still like hear it so clearly in my mind it would be like this it was a, a like completely black and there was uh like a bed floating and it would be like a little small like a little like lego sized bed and it was wrapped up in a chain that was like you know dental floss kind of thing and then that chain would break and it would be like a little noise. And then like a bigger bed would show up and that would be chained up with like a thicker chain. And then that would break and it would get louder and louder and louder until there would be a gigantic bed with like gigantic chains. And then that would like break and it would be like this deafening sound that I was terrified of in my dream. And I'd be like lying in bed about to fall asleep and I would see this bed covered in a chain. Um, and I like would be scared because I knew that the big one that had made that loud noise was coming interesting yeah can i share a nightmare that i had when i was younger sure was it a wet nightmare no it was a dry nightmare (laughs) um this is something i I must have had this dream when i was like six yeah um and it's one of those things that like the description isn't that scary but the experience was i remember it started and me and my mum were just walking through this forest together um, and then somewhere along the dream, me and my mum 
became we we were replaced with two cartoon vampires. So yeah. I don't I don't mean like someone replaced us. I mean by the at the start of the dream it was me and my mum. By the end of the dream I was a vampire with another vampire. Right? right. So we just changed into these other characters. And we we laid down on the ground to to fall asleep. And while my one of the vampires was asleep, um the other vampire sort of talked to camera, quote unquote, and revealed that he was going to betray the other vampire. And then he flew away. And the last thing I remember in the dream was the vampire you thought was asleep, suddenly opening his eyes with a shocked expression on his face. And then go, cause he'd heard the whole thing. And the, the shocked expression of the vampire um, was very terrifying. Mm. It's weird it's how things like this stick with you. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> oh, what else um we talked so last we, week yeah the 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 3d sequence should we walk through that a bit yeah yeah so yeah so she gets given a pair of three like um red and blue 3d glasses and is told put these on um because and you'll still be wearing them in the dream and in the dream they can do anything um and so it's very obviously like a put your 3d glasses on now kind of moment yeah, yeah. um and then so yeah it's the last like 10 minutes of the movie um I presented in Freddy Vision, and yeah, it's just like dream shit. But then she comes out of um, the dream. In the and story, like, do the glasses she puts on even do anything? Like he says, they can, like they can be anything, and then they don't really do anything. Yeah, well, I mean, they make it three D. <laughs> yeah, but it's already three D for her. Yeah, I don't know what I want from you, dude. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, it is interesting though we talked about I don't know did you have anything else you want to say about the free division sequence it seemed like you had a lot to say no not really I just felt like it's it was very funny it's very like wait a minute like yeah. something you recognize as being 3D without being told it's yeah, yeah yeah um, but uh, we talked last week about the misogyny of the the <laughs> Friday the 13th or p- potential misogyny um, this film is directed by a woman and no woman die in this film Wow, the opposite of misogyny. Yeah. Uh, and also, Freddy doesn't kill anyone with his glove. Interesting. Yeah. Um, although mm. he is killed with a glove. Wow, that's a nice little touch. Um, I don't think this is a bad movie. I think it's all right. I've, I've yeah, this is it, um, the Jason, this is considered the, the like Jason takes Manhattan of the franchise. But And, and, and while I, I may concede that it, it's technically, like it is the worst one, it's definitely not the one I enjoyed the least. Yeah, I, I ranked it uh, fifth, so So did I, I think. Um it's better so it's better than four and five. Um which might not sound good, but I'd still regard it as a perfectly pleasant. It's a perfect movie. A fine movie. A fine film. <laughs> Would you? Maybe. What's it got on Ron Tomatoes? What do you think? Um fifty. Twenty. <laughs> okay. And Loses. the body count? um five uh i've got one here but i might just quickly double check it uh it's six. Oh, yeah goodness me yeah so that is freddy's dead the final nightmare mm. but wait that wasn't the final nightmare because three years later in 1994 uh wes craven's new nightmare came out which was directed by wes craven um and what's this one about 
So this is a meta sequel that exists outside the realm of the first of the of outside the, the realm of possibility, really. <laughs> so it's about like it's set in the real world, and Heather Langenkamp is doing a press tour for being the t- for the ten year anniversary of Nightmare on Elm Street or something, and um, it culminates in sort of she she starts getting dreams about freddy she's got a son and a husband now her husband is killed in a freddy related car accident where he falls asleep at the wheel her husband's a special effects artist Mm -hmm. which is actually in real life her husband was a special effects artist is that her real son as well uh i do not believe so um and so she goes to wes craven starring in his own movie uh where he explains that freddy krueger is actually um or or rather that that there is a demon an evil that exists and has existed for the dawn of time and since the dawn of time storytellers have been able to capture this evil in their stories and have kept it from doing any real world damage and now that um the nightmare on, like the nightmare on Elm street films inspired um freddy krueger well, like that, Freddy Krueger was a manifestation of that demon, and now that the films are over, the demon is just out and about. But he he he's kept the form of Freddy because he likes that form. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is a funny little like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's about Heather Langenkamp, who I was thinking is she like one of the least famous people to ever play herself in such a significant role in something. Uh. Like, she's not a household name. She's no John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's so funny that she just plays herself for the the nature of the film to make sense. Um, and it's a lot of it is about her son. Like, her son is, is seeing Freddy as well. Her son, Dylan, whose name is said 103 times in the film. Wow. Um, and it sort of ends with her having to save her son by tricking freddy that they end up back in um the first film in a dream sequence um and they eventually kill freddy by burning him in a furnace and getting out alive um only to then go on to make wes craven's new nightmare yeah and a seemingly eternal feedback loop um this is my favorite one i really like this movie i think i think um if anything i would say what you know what does it come down to it's just Wes Craven is a better director than anyone else in the franchise. Mm, yeah, that's and, why the first one's my favorite. But yeah, and I get that as well. Yeah, and so it's between them, I guess. But like, my my flatmate watched this with me, and he and he didn't really like it. He was like, "What did you like about it?" And I was like, "Just the direction's better. Like, Wes Craven's just a better better at this than anyone else." Right. So um, why is it better? Why is it rank above the first one then? I guess because it's a more experienced Wes Craven. Right, it feels like you want to be cool by saying this one's your favorite, but I'm not. I do hearing, want to be cool. I'm not hearing concrete. Well, I, th- I think I think maybe it might just appeal to my interests as someone who's into filmmaking and pop culture. Is like it's fun to watch a movie that is about this subject. I think it's kind of unabashedly silly, um, and Freddie looks really cool in it. They kind of redo his design. Yeah, he's got so, a green fedora now. He wears a trench coat, and his um his he's got like whiter skin yeah his his scars look a lot more fresh um and yeah just the fact i I mean i'm I'm like the academy dude i i I like films about hollywood and this is one of them and i find it interesting unlike the academy though i'd like to think i'm not horribly racist and sexist (laughs) 
um yeah i i don't know i think this film is my favorite on paper but um i don't know there's just just something about the film it doesn't quite reach the heights of the first one i mean it's, it's like half a star behind the first one and my actual Fair ranking enough. but um yeah it is it, it, it it's it's funny it's weird seeing um because you say it's so unabashedly silly but i think it takes itself quite seriously and it's it's interesting for a like a real meta film to see i've never seen it done so seriously right yeah, yeah. um Maybe that right. it's not like yeah we're making a film about the films it's like this is a film about the films you know <laughs> sure. um and because this 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 predated scream by two years and it kind it feels like a like so much of the ideas in the scream sequels feel like they they had their yeah. origins and, and also i guess because i actually i actually watched scream uh this week as well um so every film i watched this week was either directed by or based on a movie by wes craven but um yeah it was like just i think ideas explored here are perfected in scream mm, yeah no, I'd, I'd agree with that uh yeah and so yeah there's just something about it that just doesn't quite elevate it to that um to that place but you know what hey more power to you for for it going the extra mile for you but it's Thank funny you. though that like th- this came out like we, how how far the franchise went between the original film and here and it's it's, it's a space of 10 years yeah yeah exactly. like, like imagine if imagine if um inception had had five sequels of varying quality and now christopher nolan came back this year and was like i have to do a film about making inception like yeah <laughs> but, like that's that's how recent the film was like but to to it feels like a, a decades later kind of thing, but like the fact yeah, that the, yeah. the franchise was run into the ground over mm. six films in just 10 years that it then had to be like reinvigorated just to have the final say. Heather Langenkamp would have only been 29. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I agree. And I think, um, yeah, that, that's such a strange, a strange kind of aspect of it. But I do think what's cool is like, there's like a better trilogy hidden within the series. Like if, if it was just a nightmare on Elm street, a nightmare on Elm street, dream warriors and new nightmare. That's, that would be a, a really interesting trilogy if that was all we had. Yeah. I think, although I guess it wouldn't work with what a new nightmare is about. Yeah. Um, yeah, apparently, uh, Johnny Depp was supposed to make a little cameo at the funeral Mm-hmm. um but uh wes craven was too scared to ask him that's strange yeah he was intimidated Feels by like him if if any if anyone is shouldn't be scared to ask actors to do things it should be a director yeah it should be the person who who the you're the only reason they're famous <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah what the hell uh but yeah no and then uh, they ran into each other uh later on and he said um you should have asked me. I would have done it. I would have been happy to. And he was like in Freddy's Dead briefly. Yeah, that so was like... generally considered the worst one. Like he can stand <laughs> in the background of a funeral <laughs> shot. Yeah. I really like um, seeing like Robert England just be a, a wonderful man, like a, a lovely yeah, guy yeah, in this yeah. one. Like he's just a really supportive friend. There's a part where she calls him up to tell him about how she's feeling like... um she's being haunted by yeah. by freddy and he because she's a got little, a stalker as well yeah which yeah, she yeah. had in real and life he, he goes a little dark and he and he's like it reveals he's painting something horrific and he's like i can't hang out today heather i'll talk to you later but there's a real funny part where um she's like i've been having dreams about freddy and he's like about freddy okay and, and and she's like um yeah but but he's different he's 
and and Robert England goes darker, and she's like, "Yeah, how'd you know?" And he's like, "Lucky guess." It's like it's a lot of context clues here. Like yeah. it's a very broad guess, actually. <laughs> How did you know? How did you know from the tone of my voice that something <laughs> was, was more wrong than it, than may have seemed? Like it's it's such a funny line. I loved that part. It's funny as well because uh, obviously Robert England is playing himself and the the kind of new version of Freddy Krueger, but he's um in the credits. Uh, Freddy Krueger is credited as playing himself, hmm. which is a hmm. fun little thing. I do like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I did like seeing Robert England um, play play himself. But also, it's interesting. This film was like it was always had earthquakes in the script, but uh, this actually ended up becoming uh, like just after filming or like during filming, there was a massive earthquake, and it's actually in uh, Dave Chappelle released a new special over the weekend um, called Eight Forty Six um, about uh, everything going on with George Floyd and, and police brutality, and uh, he mentions in it that uh, he mentions near the start um, he recalls a story and the happening in 1993 and there's a massive earthquake and that's actually the, the same earthquake he's referring to. Um, Wait, the one that happens in the movie? No, 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 like the the real one I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So there's there's always earthquakes in the script, but then a massive earthquake actually ended up happening, and then the day after watching this movie, that used footage from the earthquake um dave Chappelle um uploaded um the special where he mentions the earthquake which i thought was interesting right um but yeah they they, they this earthquake actually happened so they sent out a second unit to go like film all the destruction and they used it in the film yeah there you go yeah um right what do you reckon this is on Rotten tomatoes i reckon this would be quite high maybe like upper 60s mm-hmm. you're wrong what is it 80 Nice. I like that. It is I mean it's Wes Craven, he's back and it's like it doesn't it also doesn't um that this was the last one until a reboot and it, yeah. it well, I guess Freddy vs. Jason, but yeah. but like it's this cool little thing. It, it feels like an appropriate ending for the it's series. It's the Rocky Balboa of the series. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool that they never went back on that well, I guess well they did. I don't know what I'm talking about. Like that that canon no, even I can't even say that. I was going to say like the next one's a reboot, so the the canon ends, but they do dive back into the canon for Freddy vs Jason. Mm. Yeah. Oh well, you tried. Um, Dumb and I Oh, sorry. What do you think the body count is? Um, twelve four. Not a lot of people die in these movies. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Dumb and be trivia. Um, it just says the only Nightmare on Elm Street movie where none of it takes place in Springwood. There is no capitalization. And no punctuation. And it's like, of course it doesn't take place in Springwood, because it's not fucking real. <laughs> All right. So, um, there's a thing that we do a lot on this podcast, and that's talking about titles. We do it so much, mm. in fact, that we created a segment called We Talk About Titles a Lot on This Podcast, um, because we talk about titles a lot on this podcast. So here yes. is, we talk a lot about titles on this podcast. So, AJ, we talk about titles mm. a lot on this podcast. Um, yes. And what do you think talk- of the titles of these ones? So we talked you a lot about titles. Said, what? You last week said that you hated A Nightmare on Elm Street as a title. Yeah, I, well, okay. So I why, may don't you, have why don't you talk about titles a lot on this podcast? Yes. 
I may have changed my opinion somewhat. So I sort of talked about it in context of Friday the 13th being a, t- a title for that franchise, which seems very irrelevant to the story while there's like better titles laying right there they could have used. And I said I felt similar for Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think I remembered it wrong. I think I don't mind the title now. I think initially I was just like the, the Elm Street part is so irrelevant. Like right, it should just be called Nightmare. Maybe it should be. Um, And... I think I think you or go like, like oh, that's, that's- um, or like if it was like a Nightmare on Elm Street and then Nightmare Two, Freddy's Revenge, and they all just they just yeah. kept Nightmare. I would maybe I don't love that, but like that feels like what s- what they should have done though. Like it feels yeah. like or what I would expect them to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you might think that Nightmare isn't isn't anywhere near iconic, but like remember, there's a film called Alien. You know, there's a film called predator there's a film called alien vs predator um and so like there is place there is place especially at that point in film history for just like very easy titles for horror movies yeah like halloween yeah yeah so like nightmare is maybe a better title for a franchise but i forgot how relevant elm street actually ends up being in the series and it is i think because it's never mentioned by name in the first film I was always real. I think that's oh, yeah. that was like I, I misremembered that being as they never mention Elm Street in the whole series, which isn't true. They're always talking about the Elm Street kids, the last of yeah, the Elm they, Street they children. They fucking won't shut up about Elm Street. Um, and the only one that really doesn't have anything to do with Elm Street is Elm, Elm Street is New Nightmare, and it's not called that. Yeah, um, and I mean, I, I, that still has Elm Street. In New it. Nightmare is a great title as well, mm. because it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's not just New Nightmare. It's Wiz Craven's New Nightmare because it's about. Wiz Craven has started having nightmares again. <laughs> and I think that uh maybe maybe there's room for um expansion here. Like maybe a nightmare in Springwood would have been better just because it kind of feels oh, like God, they have that. to Well, okay, name the town something cooler then. Elm Doesn't Street. have to be Spring <laughs> Well, my point is is that it, it's not just contained to Elm Street, it's contained to the town and not the street, isn't it? Um, and make the, the, the in the sixth film, he's just like every town is a is Springwood, <laughs> but and he like, doesn't mean that like con- oh wow yeah it's a place of fear it just means it's a very common like, town. Nancy lives across the road from Johnny Depp in the first film. Her boyfriend, they it feels just kind of contrived that she would live across the road and it's it feels purely because they have to set it on elm street um and then they keep returning to the house Uh, i feel like that's a pretty petty um complaint you're right it's fine it's a good title (laughs) do you think no one's ever lived across the street from their boyfriend i'm saying i think it was a story decision born out of needing to set it all on elm street it's a good title it is a good title i like the sound of it maybe it could have been maybe the first one's a nightmare on elm street and the sequels are a nightmare on something else yeah i, I feel like i always suggest that but it's yeah you do yeah I, I would be happy with a nightmare on elm street nightmare 2 um nightmare 2 freddy's revenge nightmare 3 dream warriors nightmare 4 dream master dream yeah yeah like i think that's it's if they just if they do it like they decide on that on the second film and they stick to it, that's reasonably neat, and I'm happy with it. Mm, okay, fair enough. And um, then and then new nightmare works quite well as well. Yeah, yeah. So I had a um, suggestion uh, before I said when I was talking about my wet dream. I was like, remind me of this. 
I reckon Friday, uh, Friday, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 could have been called A Nightmare on Elm Street Wet Dreams. <laughs> I had this thought over the week where it's like, you know, it kind of plays into, again, the homoerotic subtext of it. Mm. But I I, I guess it, I guess it's probably too filthy. Well, because it ends up at a pool party. So it's yeah, that's like, what yeah. I mean. Like, it's, it's a very wet movie. And so... I think that that's a better title than Freddy's Revenge, but I'm saying this presuming Wet Dream was maybe more of a obscure term in the 80s, which it probably wasn't. I don't know why I thought that. Um, but I don't know. I think that's, I think that's a cool title for a, a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. Yeah. You know, if you, if you give it kind of a double meaning, call it Wet Dreams. Nice. Nocturnal Emissions. <laughs> <laughs> a Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Nocturnal Emissions. <laughs> god i haven't heard that term in so long um and i i feel like i have to mention that one of them's called freddy's dead the final nightmare which i don't love but feels i guess i'm i'm warmed to it by the fact it kind of parallels like the later friday the 13th yeah even though they didn't have to yeah 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 all right so um yeah do you have anything else before we move to continue the franchise and whatnot do you have anything else you want to say on the franchise as a whole I wanted to talk about Freddy Krueger because. All right, so continue the fr- no. <laughs> because Freddy, fr- like when we we talk we talk about this like kind of we talk about um, Freddy Krueger a lot in this podcast. Well, we don't, but we talk about the the kind of classic horror movies we cover on this podcast as almost like a sub series of of the podcast itself. You know, like there's the podcast and then there's the classic horror movie episodes you know they're kind of there are treehouse of horror episodes <laughs> yeah um they're not canon but freddie really makes me realize that like the he's the other the other ones the other big ones jason Voorhees, michael myers leatherface they're all the same guy they're all the same thing freddie yeah, yeah, free yeah. krueger feels like the most original idea like what is the what is the difference between Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers? The mask. It's the mask. And the That's man it. behind the mask and whether or not they, he's back. They have the same mannerisms. The only thing I think can think of is you maybe see Jason move more than Michael Myers, but personality-wise they both seem exactly the same. I I would accept that Leatherface is a bit more of a um a caveman type character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- than the others, but Freddy Krueger feels like I think that's why why Freddy Krueger feels like the best one of them, and why A Nightmare on Elm Street is the most yeah original what, one. Of them. Um, my my answer to your question of what's the difference between them would be yeah, um, Leatherface is more of like a caveman. He's 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 simple. That's his thing. Yeah, um, he doesn't understand what he's doing. Um, I would say, um, Michael Myers is more like a scalpel. Whereas, um, like, Jason is like a machete, you know? Mm. Like, I'd say um, Michael Myers is a lot more methodical, whereas Jason is just like, stab, kill, key, Mm. key, key, ma, ma, ma. And then, of course, there's Pinhead as well, who's different enough that I didn't need to mention him. Yeah. so I don't know. I just wanted to point that out because I feel like we hadn't really pointed that out yet. Is like all these iconic horror franchises, but it kind of feels like three of these characters are very similar to yeah, each, yeah. each other in a way that means that I don't know. Maybe we should we should just need to point it out. I don't know. So that's mainly what I want to talk about. Nice, well, and I've talked good. about it. All right. So continue the franchise. So 
Uh, what I'm going to talk about, uh, there's, again, there's a bunch of comics and novelizations and fan films and whatnot. Um, there's actually, uh, there's Dylan's New Nightmare, um, a fan film coming out where it has the kid that played Dylan in New Nightmare. Um, it's actually him, the same oh, wow, actor. Oh, cool. Um, because I guess fan films just get the same actors, like that's the thing. <laughs> um, but so uh, a few films that almost happened, um, which I thought was interesting to talk about. Yeah, um, there's uh, John McNaughton uh, was approached to make a film called uh, Nightmare on Elm Street First Kills, uh, which would have been a prequel to the first film, um, which had, which apparently would take place mostly in the courtroom. Um, addressing the legal side of his his real kill murders fun um, <laughs> sounds cool <laughs> yeah uh and then john saxon um who plays the cop uh, nancy's father the cop in the first film mm-hmm. uh proposed a sequel where freddie is framed for her his, his original crimes by charles manson um and then the film was called How the Nightmare on Elm Street All Began, and he completed the treatment for it and sold it on eBay. This sounds... What? <laughs> you didn't sell it on eBay? That sounds yeah. bad. That sounds like an actor who doesn't know how to write wrote something. How the Nightmare yeah, yeah. on Elm Street All Began. That's fucking yeah. stupid. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. Uh, so, yeah, Robert England um, also uh, submitted ideas... Um, for sequels um he pitched one for the third film which would have been the character of tina who's the first victim in the original film um would see her sister solving some of freddie's crimes i don't know what that means exactly but there you go um he also put (laughs) forth one which surrounded um which would been about children who had been told the story of freddy freddy and later developed their own nightmare versions of him which kind of interesting like how someone hearing about freddy would picture him yeah, like yeah. that kind of thing um and then uh there's one i remember i think i mentioned last time which uh was an original pitch for a nightmare on street six dream lover which was uh peter jackson oh um, pitched a meta sequel where an old was set much later an old worn out Kruger um, is like uh, t- teens would take sleeping pills to go into the dream world just to beat him up for fun that's so good and so it'd be like about how the villain's not scary anymore and, and stuff and it's like obviously um, they would reignite his strength somehow and, and unleash him mm. again. But that's such yeah, a cool that, that, that's idea. A quite a fun idea, yeah. That's the best original idea Peter Jackson's ever had. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I also found out today there's an, a Nightmare on Elm Street reality series which almost aired in the mid-2000s um, called uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Real Fears, I believe it's called. Um and oh real nightmares sorry and it's essentially just fear factor but hosted by robert england <laughs> they um revenge of the nerds guys did that mm, yeah, yeah um and then there was also uh we mentioned last week there's freddy's nightmares yes the tv series yeah which is the tv series and so this is like a twilight zone kind of thing i think there's like 44 episodes and 
six of them, I think, or, or maybe even less than that, feature like Freddy. Um, like the the, the Twilight Zone kind of stories about Freddy, but he does like interstitials in all of them in character. Um, and the first episode actually uh, was directed by Toby Hooper, who did um, oh. Nightmare and uh, so Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's and it's the court case of um, Freddy. Of Freddy Krueger. Oh, so it's um, that and idea it was, that was pitched it, before. Yeah, it's 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 the prequel, and so it's um, yeah, it's all about what happened, and it's in that because I mentioned the first film, it's revealed that he wasn't uh, there was there was they didn't get a search warrant, and so the, the evidence wasn't. And this one, he wasn't read his Miranda rights, which is why he was um, let off, and then so it's like the the parents going and killing him. Mm. So. When did the show air? Uh, this show aired in the 90s, I think. Before or after that. New Nightmare. 44, like, there's so many episodes. Both both the Friday yeah. the 13th show and so, the- So, 88 to 1990. Okay, so before. It's so right in the middle of yeah. them. Wow. Holy crap. Yeah. Like, both, both the Friday the 13th show and the Nightmare on Elm Street show feel like shows that go for six episodes and get cancelled. Like, mm, and most because, people don't know about them. Yeah. yeah, we don't know about them, but they went for such a long time, but I've never seen... I, I don't even know what the show looks like. Mm. We should watch that pilot episode for, for Film Franchise Follow-Ups. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I, I think it might be quite hard to find because it's like only they released like three episodes and then it didn't do very well, like on DVD. And then they, but the Al Ray Network, Robert Rodriguez's um, TV network, has been playing it since 2015. So I think they they might have played all of them. Might be able to find it online. Sick. All right, uh, what do you have for continue the franchise? Uh, I am pitching a Saturday Night Live sketch in 2010, um, which and okay. and. I'm presuming this didn't happen because 2010 was when the reboot came out. But I yeah. want to see, so Robert England hosts <laughs> Saturday Night Live, um, and it's a parody of Inception that combines the two rules of each of those universes. Right. So what together. you're pitching is um, the Lawnmower Dog episode of Rick and Morty. What is the? I don't remember. <laughs> This the scary Terry episode, oh, right. which is also a parody. It's a parody of Inception and a Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, I'm pitching it ten years, five years before that episode aired. So three years. Um, yeah. So there you go. So you got it first. <laughs> um, no, I just I, okay. So it does exist. So that's interesting because it just feels like such an obvious thing that didn't happen. Um, I mean, it did, I guess. So I don't know. Well, whatever. Whatever. It already happened. So my idea's invalid, but that's all I prepared. I, I guess I just all think right. that the the rules, because they're, they're actually conflicting rules, because in Inception, if you die in your dream, you wake up. Whereas in Nightmare on Elm Street, if you die in your dream, you die for real. And it'd be interesting <laughs> to see all the Inception crew taking on Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Nice. Hmm. Inception on Elm Street. Well, I reckon um, what would be cool is so because last week we covered Friday the Thirteenth, um, and this week we were doing Nightmare on Elm Street, um, and because they've got such both got such iconic like villains that like to pair them up and see put them in a movie together. Richard, that would never work. What are you talking about? They would <laughs> never do that. Those characters will never have a team up movie. Cereal guy meme. <laughs> <laughs> Spits out cereal. Uh, no, I, w- I would like to see um, a sequel, which ignores, <laughs> let's do this again, um, that only one in three are canon. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And so let- let's follow on and- Get Patricia Arquette back. Yeah. 
Yeah, get Patricia Arquette big. Do it. And um, do it, AJ. I'll, I'll get her on the horse. Kissing Kate Barlow herself. Get her back. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I want to I want to explore the idea of Nancy being like a guardian angel in the dream world. That's the second reference we've made to holes in this these two episodes. <laughs> what 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 are we going to reference? We referenced the book the first time, yeah. the movie this time. Next week we'll um, reference the, the um, coming next week the holes VR experience. Do, no, there are two sequels to holes. There's um yeah small steps. There's small steps which I've got. I could I could show you it right now. It's behind me. Do it. All right. Fuck. <laughs> AJ doesn't have his headphones in, so I can say anything to you right now. Um, AJ is my best friend. I'm back. Um, here, oh, here I it is. I didn't notice you'd gone. Sorry. Small steps, which I read once when I was twelve, and it's so insanely different from holes that it's just not very interesting. Um, really, well, it's just it's just not about the same thing at all. But there's also Stanley Yelnats's Guide to Camp Green Lake. <laughs> yeah, why are we talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> holes would be a great one for generic movie podcast on our Patreon. Mm. Maybe people should, should suggest that. Uh, yeah, so that's that's my. Um... Uh, and I mean, like, Dream Master, Dream Angel. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, I like that. I like you're you're bringing it back to that idea and getting Lang and Camp back on board. What's she up to these days? Uh, she's a um, she does like special effects and stuff. Interesting. That's cool. What a cool career the trajectory that is. Yeah. Um. Let me tell you what she um. Uh, she did um. So she was the special fi- special makeup effects coordinator um, on Dawn of the Dead, Cinderella Man, The Cabin in the Woods, and Evan Almighty. God, she looks like she's twenty. <laughs> I've just giggled her. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I wonder if she's done VFX for anything we've covered. Well, she was in um, uh, Hellraiser Judgment. Remember that she had like a tiny cameo, but she oh, was wow. in like old lady makeup. <laughs> Yeah, because she eternally looks twenty, so they wouldn't have been able to. <laughs> yeah, she also um, produced a documentary herself called "I Am Nancy." I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, uh, which maybe we'll watch one day. One day um, when we watch um, "Never Sleep Again," the Elm Street Legacy. Hmm. Let's do it. All right. Anyway, uh, that's the fucking podcast. Oh shit! Right is that there. it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll be back. Don't worry, we'll be back next week um, to do, you know, the podcast. We're doing Freddy vs. Jason and the remakes next week, so tune in for that. Um, but other than that, thank you very much for listening, everybody. What? 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 Should we do rankings next week? So let's do, let's yeah. do a definitive. This is my Friday ranking. This is my nightmare ranking, and this is my Freddy vs. Jason ranking. Um, so we'll yeah. do that next week uh, to fill time as we talk about three movies instead of eight to not eight to ten or seven to ten. Um, and yeah, so thank you very much for listening. Let us know what your favorite uh, Nightmare on Elm Street film is, and what which franchise you prefer. Um, it is interesting to say. Yeah, I agree that I prefer Friday the Thirteenth as a franchise 
but A Nightmare on Elm Street has better movies in it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. I still haven't written these down. Remember I said I was going to write these down so I could just read them off? I never did that. Yeah. Um, you can also <laughs> join the Cole Popshire Discord where you can chat with us. Um, you're about Ooh. to go play a Friday the 13th video game with one of our Discord members. Um, which yeah. I was and going to join. Are, are you? No, I am not because I forgot to download it and it is now too expensive for me. So sorry, sorry, Gas Cadet. Um, well, let's play something else sometime. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And find us all those places. Support us if you can. Share the podcast around. Ta- I want everyone to listen. Remember when we did this? Share this podcast with two of your friends and then get them to do that too. And if you do that, well, we just might become... We might intercept all the Elm Streets of all the world. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Welcome, everybody, to the to the post credit scene. This is a segment brought to you by our Patreon, or our patrons on our Patreon, where if you go to www.patreon.com slash right now and donate $5 or more, you too can send us a question or a topic to discuss in this segment, along with a bunch of other, um, you know, perks as well, but that's one of them. Um, so today's post credit scene comes to us from Ryan Eastman, who says glad to have joined the cult. I've been watching a while on YouTube under the username Gas Cadet. I usually leave nice comments, which he does. He does <laughs> leave nice comments. And I thought I'd join the cult to support y'all and get extra episodes. I'm a really big fan of movie posters, almost to the same obsession as you guys with movie titles. So I guess my question is, what's your favourite movie poster? Mine is 1978's Dawn of the Dead. I collect a lot of movie posters that I rarely display. I just like collecting them. Yeah, man, when I was a teenager, I collected, I would get them from the, the, um, the video easy uh, you know, yeah. New Zealand's blockbuster answer um, and they would be selling them they'd be like free or like a buck and yeah. you'd get a bunch of posters which weren't that cool because they were um, used to sell DVDs and not just genuine movie yeah. posters so yeah. I stopped collecting them after a while but I had a few and I really liked them but um, yeah, what are your favourite movie posters? Um, I don't know I really like ones that are just it's it's cool when you get one that's like a cool piece of artwork um Mm. like um the thing is a classic yeah yeah with the like yeah jaws is a classic mariner type thing and it's like a light coming from his head that's a very iconic one Mm, yeah all the answers are like all the classic ones there next question no um but the the i like i really liked the last jedi poster the the one of like luke and kylo's face that's being interrupted by ray's lightsaber um i also my probably the weirdest poster that i really like is that lilo and stitch poster with all the disney characters like cowering around the corner from Mm. from stitch and it's like there's one in every family i really dig that um that's really cool um any more that you can think of that you really like um the uh the midsummer poster is very striking Mm. i always thought that was Mm. quite quite a cool one um what else have we got um the ant-man poster is a classic yeah yeah that's so great where he's like it's just a white screen with a tiny little ant-man in the middle of it um that was really good yeah I, i also really like when um like you can get multiple movie posters that go together 
um like mm-hmm. back the back to the future trilogy is a classic one where it's like it's the same format and like mm. the dark knight um trilogy how they all had one that was like the bat symbol first one was like just the symbol then it was on fire and then it was like uh, like a mm. hole you're looking out of um mm. i like the idea of being able to put like a trilogy of posters like alongside each other yeah i think that's part of it i think um yeah i think that's really cool there's also those really cool uh, Back to the Future minimalist posters that are just yeah. diagrams of the the time travel in them. That yeah, I think like I've got really nice. three minimalist Jurassic Park posters in my house, mm. which are quite cool. That's cool. That is cool. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 